Walsh preoccupied South Florida for 16 long days. Pictures of the smiling boy with a missing front tooth were everywhere on posters offering a $100,000 reward for his safe return. Two weeks of fruitless searching ended late Monday. Two fishermen found the remains of Adam Walsh's skull in this canal near Vero Beach, more than 100 miles north of his Hollywood home. Positive identification was made through dental records. Adam's parents, John and Ravey Walsh, returned home late last night. They had wished to meet with the press one last time. I don't know who would do this to a six-year-old child. I can't conceive of it. It's just, it's beyond the realm of, of reality. But Adam evidently was too good for this world. He was much greater than this world. And he didn't deserve to live in this world. He's too good, and you know that only the good die young. Thank you. Steve Bosquet for ABC News, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Good evening and welcome to Reexamined with Megan Walsh. I am Megan's co-host, Gino. That is Megan Walsh right next to me on the screen there, folks. Megan, what did you think about that opening? Uh, well, I love our intro, but I, yeah, I mean, my eyes are kind of popping out of my head, to be honest, about the, the intro um, or the clip we just showed. Sorry, I look so white, guys, tonight. It's been the day. Uh, I'm matching the background. <laughs> just the light, just the lighting. It's been running. I've been running around ragged all day. Literally just ran in five seconds ago. So thank you everyone for joining tonight. Sorry, we're getting started a little later. Um, but yeah, again, the clip, um, you know, I'm going to start out with, I honor my mother and father, but we have to be really questioning a lot of things these days that we don't want to. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, Gino, as an outsider, you know that I always want a third, you know, party mm -hmm. you know, perspective. And, you know, what? how did you feel about that? I'm being evasive. If, Sorry. If, <laughs> it felt very contrived to me. I've, I've watched that clip several times. And I always, I'm trying to be as objective as possible when I watch all these things. Any true crime thing, I always try to do that. And when I look at this and I look at all the footage of your mom and dad back in the first week to two weeks of Adam's disappearance, I just, I don't know. It just does not seem authentic to me. And I'm not trying to, you know, persuade anybody to believe something. That's just my own personal opinion. But I got to say, you know, your mom, she says that strange comment, like he, you know, the world wasn't good enough for him and only the good die young. I mean, I was, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of speechless on that one. Like I could never bring myself to say something like that. But again, sometimes when people are in, you know, that state of, of, of sadness and grief and all that stuff, they do say weird things. So I'm not going to hold it against her and say, you know, she's evil or something like that. It's just, it's a weird statement for me. It, I do. I, I agree, actually. And there's been other statements like, you know, no one will ever, you know, when I'm born, she says, you know, no one, I believe my dad or her, one of them says that, you know, no one will ever be able to replace Adam. I mean, no child's really to replace. And that's not even really the basis that people are thinking on, um, you know, and just some very odd behaviors that when, you know, you know who my parents are, like I do, 
um, it does it does raise questions and it does raise uh, red flags for me, especially you know never having looked back at that. I mean, Gino, how how surprised were we to see? I know I was, and over these past months and years, whatever, to really see how many interviews and how many things are actually out there covering you know that time and the the scenes of the crimes and you know they've they've got many clips of like you know inside of sears while they're allegedly looking for adam and it again looks very contrived um and for me again i don't want to judge grief but i have had four of my children you know <laughs> kidnapped from me um or falsely imprisoned whatever you want to say and um and i've had to be stoic you know about this so i absolutely get like the stoic approach and things but there are nuances that do raise alarms for me and again we're observing things these are pieces to a puzzle um that we're all looking at so again this is just you know just we're bright we're looking at things guys we're keeping that in the back of our heads we're going through the stuff and you know that's really the point uh, also tonight, we're not going to be going through a bunch of documents and everything tonight. We wanted to give everyone a little break and give some variety. So we're going to, uh, you know, talk about a little bit of this, a little bit of James Campbell in rhetoric from last week, not the exact documents, but, you know, rhetoric, we kind of have a rhetoric about James Campbell, uh, and also brings in some information, uh, from the, you know, one of my personal heroes, Ted Gunderson, um, which, you know, again, we've talked about Kathy O'Brien and her testimonies mm -hmm. before on this uh, on this show. So we'll be bringing in some of the work that he did uh, and specifically commenting, directly commenting on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And why I think that's important to bring in, and I discussed this with Gino, um, you know, I really think that that is important because I want to remind everyone or those who are just joining, place this in the perspective of this is one of the reasons why we're doing this. Um, you know, one of the bigger picture reasons, if you will, when we're looking at the National Center, when we're looking at an issue of, you know, domestic and international global child trafficking um, and what the realities uh, of that is, not just what we've heard in, you know, on Twitter or what X now, excuse me, I keep saying it. Um, you know, on my phone, it still says Twitter if you want to share to Twitter. <laughs> me too. Okay. Anyways, um, anyways, so that that's kind of the lineup in a in a very rough way I just delivered. Sorry, guys, but that's where we're going tonight. And yes, the the beginning clip in this, I think that we'll also be looking at. And I think that when you look at any of these images or videos or records from that time, now 41, 42 years later, um, it does give a very different perspective and it does make you question things. And that is, you know, one of the big reasons why I started questioning things. So, you know, that's why we're sharing that as well. Well, I think that opening clip is a good segue to show this picture before we get started in some of this other stuff. And I, I saw this today and I thought I saw every picture available, but I never saw this one. And I thought, how peculiar is this? And this is, again, my own observation. You've got this like photo op of john walsh in the early days of adam's disappearance i believe this was in the first month of his disappearance and somehow another photographer captures this picture from behind the camera to kind of give it look like this action shot and almost like like they're preparing him is he is he made for tv is john walsh made for tv 
this guy looks like a you know a star you know like it's like a star is born on this day or something out of this like traumatic event and he looks so stoic like you said like he's he's just kind of standing there like ready to take on the world i don't there's no way i'd be able to do that I mean, from a hotel, from a hotel executive, you know, I mean, I understand that you have a certain presence and you have to be around people. So, okay, that's fair. But to really have this like hand on the hip, you know, this, this presence here is very media, like out the gate. I guess that's the way I put it. I'm not as great at, you know, verbalizing or articulating things. I'm a little rough on it, but you know, for me, this really, you know, is, and a lot of it is very media-esque and very, uh, you know, poised, if you will. Well, and even I mean, my the, mother, you know, days the button, after I appears, she's trench coat on a car. That's, mom. yeah, that's another great point. But, I mean, even like the button-down shirt, you know, he's got it kind of open with, with the chest showing. And just like, you know, he's a young guy. He's a good-looking guy, right? I mean, they're it's like made for TV. Like, they're just like eating it up. And you're like, okay, well, well. I, I'm just, I always try to put myself in the position of another person in this circumstance. And I just can't imagine standing in front of a camera like that. I, I want to be hiding. I want to be in private yeah. with my family and discussing what's the next step. What, how do we get our son back? You know, I mean, or this is before even, he I knew. Mean, I, I look back, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Um, I look back even at like, say the interviews that I did over the two years, right? Of my children, these past two years while I'm literally being terrorized and my children are being taken and like, yeah, I was poised or like I was stoic, but like I wasn't poised in a lot of that. I mean, for as much as I could be and by my nature, yes, but like, no, like that wasn't very put together and poised and, you know, to this, to this same feeling, I guess is what I mean to say. And then that's comparing myself to, you know, having lost children is why, you know, why I make that comparison. Um, you know, yeah. And, and you see us seeing things like, you know, again, they're on Good Morning America, like a day or so, you know, days after within two weeks of Adam, uh, you know, disappearing when we know today, I mean, how, how hard is it to get on mainstream media? All that kind of stuff plays in, but also what we should bring for next, uh, you know, show or in the future shows, um, is where I will bring in the, the notion that we do know um, through records that, you know, about his boss, John Monahan, which would be like a mentor to him, um, would be like a father figure to him and became that to my father. And we have him involved in other cases prior to Adam and even after where he comes in and he's essentially like a cleanup guy. He comes in, he takes over, he puts his hands on his hips, you know, it's John Monahan. And this, I think, is a big theme that people are really missing. Like, my father's father was military. Like, his whole family was military. Um, his father was a bomber pilot and, like, an awarded, you know, soldier and all of this for landing one of the bomb bomber planes when it had gotten bombed, saving the crew. So he was very militant. Um, they were raised strict Roman Catholic. My dad was actually an altar boy, you know, when mass was still in Latin in upstate New York. So that makes me wonder if I think too long about it. Um, but we have, you know, we have this like this background of my father where then he's sorry, I lost my train of thought. You're moving around. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. My phone. I was like, wait, I can't remember where I'm going with this. My phone popped out of the holder. <laughs> oh, no, that's so funny. That's that's pretty, funny. I thought it broke. Uh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, Sorry. he's and my point here is that he, my father was raised by this very militant father. He loved his father, but he was very much opposite of my father and very much opposite of who he portrays himself to be now. Um, I have posted little Polaroid pictures and stuff of my parents at Woodstock and like literally sleeping under cars and, you know, taking pictures of the hearses that were there and people passed out, you know, and everything. And, uh, and, you know, and having that difference is what my point here is from his father and him. And he says that he, you know, followed a more esoteric if you will basically new age approach and he you know had the long hair and jim morrison we read mm -hmm. last year the week before his experimentation with drugs yeah. which that was like being cute on the polygraph <laughs> um sadly um so we have that like difference and why i'm why i'm setting that up is because you know he didn't exactly approve of my father and my father really wanted to prove himself to his father his whole life his father died when you know his one of his youngest sibling was still younger in his 20s but you know it was mm -hmm. like my dad felt this responsibility right to take care of the family and we read through that and the first you know uh, affidavits from him where he's going on and on about feeling pressured to pay for the family take care of everyone that was a theme throughout my life um but you know for my point is that for him to come down and have this background of always like not being good enough for his father, his father not approving. When he meets John Monahan down in Hollywood, he's a cabana boy by the pool of a diplomat. Here's this executive. Um, I know that they lived with John Monahan for periods of time. Uh, we hear how John Monahan paid for their um, honeymoon and all of that, which actually the story behind that is that John Monahan paid for a certain amount and they ran out of money while they were in the south <laughs> of France and had to call my mom's. <laughs> Well, that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the real story behind wow. it. But, you know, it's not the made for TV or, you know, records. Uh, so my point there is that, you know, John Monahan became and I feel that obviously he's groomed. He was groomed, you know, in a different way towards the lifestyle, I'm not saying as a child or whatever, but, you know, groomed to the lifestyle. Um, John Monahan showed him, you know, things and, and really supported that lifestyle, which was obviously opposite of the military. This is cocaine and parties and hotels and, you know, celebrities and politicians and all of it. Um, and so, you know, I, to me, I think that it makes a lot of sense for that to be a dynamic. And I know that it was, um, and my dad very much admired John Monahan. John Monahan obviously did a lot for him. He gave him the lifestyle that he always wanted. Um, and so then when we see him, you know, kind of taking tactics from, John Monahan, like we know John Monahan slandered his wife and drove her to crazy and, you know, said that she had tripped on her nightgown and fell down the stairs when he was standing at the top of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, the cleanup scenarios and, you know, just these things that we keep seeing, they're familiar when we look at John Monahan and we look deeper into my father's past and then what inspired him or what kind of molded him. Uh, into, again, this hotel executive, which is very different from a grieving all-American working-class father. So I yeah. will say that. Now, Monaghan's a key figure in all of this. And then he identifies <laughs> he identifies the head of Adam, which blows my mind. I, I still don't understand that one. I mean, we read about that last week in one of the uh, documents. But 
Anyway, all right, let's get into James Campbell again. We're going to just roughly touch on him. We touched on him last week quite a bit, read through a lot of his polygraphs. We're not going to go through all of that again. We're just going to, it, we're trying to show you that Campbell, who was the live-in lover of Reve Walsh, he lived there for how long, Megan? Several Four years. Four years? up to it, yeah. Yeah, Several and years. so he, he was in the house with the Walshes. John was out on business trips doing his thing. Reve's at home, and he's essentially sleeping with her they're doing drugs or smoking marijuana some cocaine and it's important what we're trying to do here is not slander the character of them we're just telling you this was the lifestyle this is what reality. they were living this is reality yeah. of it and adam's yeah. growing up in a house where cocaine's being used and marijuana's being smoked on a regular basis and his mom is sleeping with a, a younger lover like i mean this is just the housework who's doing the housework and taking care of the child like it's his or in a cohabitation village, raise a child scenario. I don't even know what to call it at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We're not here slandering anyone. It's that, and and then especially when we see it 40 years later or whatever, when in allegations and my parents going around slandering, saying that, you know, all these things about me that are, that's actually them. When right. we have that proof, you know, these are not, I kept reading the allegations against me or hearing what my parents were saying. And I'm like, this is i can't wait to find out who wrote this for them who made all of this up because this is literally them this is not me this is my mother this so is true. my parents lifestyle so true. and you know and now you know we look at pictures of adam from different angles other than the baseball bat we've heard from people who were living in the neighborhood at that time and knew mm -hmm. him as a boy in the neighborhood we've heard from people who were kids at the time whose mothers were friends with my mother and they were in the house before and after adam was taken and congruently and including the own their own testimony from the security guard that day which we have in documents saying that the child she saw and had leave the store that's not saying adam she couldn't even no one that day that was shown adam's picture either could indefinitely say that that was the boy that they saw being kidnapped not one of them and right. she states how the boy that she had leave the store with i forget the quote exactly but something like appeared to be in a bad way basically like there was something wrong with him mm -hmm. he wasn't taken care of he was disheveled you know that kind of a thing and you know, I mean, I was raised by nannies my whole life. My brothers were, you know, my mom tried, I guess I can say that to be nice. Um, but she was never, you know, it was trying. You could tell it was a forced when it would happen. Um, and, and again, we grief and, and loss and everything. We're not commenting on that, but I mean, when my brothers and I grow up to, to, you know, have to start begging my parents to get divorced and saying to each other, why did they even have kids after Adam? You know, that's a certain place. That's that's a certain, sure. you know, kind of thing there. So something just occurred to me, Megan, and I, I might be wrong on this, but in your mom's polygraph, I don't recall the detectives ever asking her if her drug use came into play while she was shopping. Am I correct right. on that? Right. That she okay. was never asked that. Um, I think from when we did the first show or the second, or, I'm sorry, last show, when we went through, we saw the minimal, I mean, just uh, what comical questions that they mm -hmm. were asked and then cleared. Um, and yeah, no, none of that was brought up. It wasn't, you know, it's not brought up in the mainstream thing. And that's what I was saying. Like, you know, when I become an advocate and I start looking into these issues 
And then I start looking into all the other stuff. It's like, you know, was Adam a CPS case? Like <laughs> back, like legitimately back then, was he being, you know, from what we hear, as I say, from people that have come forward, many say, oh, they didn't give a crap about that boy until he disappeared. Or, you know, we would go over there and there were people always in and out of the house, um, you know, and, and that kind of a thing on and on. But, um, you know, that's what, that's what the reality of it is. And that's also why they dropped the Sears case, why my dad paid for, um, for James's attorney. Ironically, he also, we believe, paid for the attorney to participate to take my daughter with her biological father. Mm -hmm. um, so he's got a theme. These are patterns as well. Um, so, you know. Yeah, the uh, Walsh household seemed to have a turnstile instead of a front door. It seemed like quite yes. a few people were coming and going in that home. And it yeah. was a lot and of drug use. Even for me growing up, I used to say it's like, and my friends would joke that it's like we live at a hotel. I mean, I was so disturbed that I couldn't just wake up and feel safe or mm. walk out, you know, on my balcony without worrying about a workman or, you know, somebody. And here's John Walsh, you know, as a, when you're growing up, you're like, here's John Walsh, all about the safety, the cameras, the beeps and clicks and da da da. And like, why don't we actually do any of that in real life then? <laughs> like, why are we the ones who like right. have the keys left in the car and, you know, no alarm system? You know, I mean, I hope he's gotten better. But, you know, growing up, those were the kind of things that were like, what are we doing here? Is this like a public persona versus like what we're doing in the house, you know, here? Yeah, very and that seems to be true about when Adam was around, and and that's what I was starting to say about the Sears case. Um, you know, when they ended up dropping that because of the fact that James Campbell came forward, disclosed my mother's uh, drug use and my father's, the environment within the household, and all of that, and that was really the only time that that really came forward or was like paid attention to. Right, we see it in his affidavits before for the police records. But then when the Sears thing happened uh, and you alluded to, you know, what if she was on drugs when she's taking Adam and she can't account for her time? She's got it all messed up. She's saying it was 10 minutes when their Sears is proving that it was really over 90 minutes, um, you know, and and then the judge decides I'm not. They filed a motion. I brought this up before, but they filed a motion to exclude his testimony his statements and the judge said no i will not exclude mm -hmm. this because yeah, this is absolutely you. integral to the reasons of why this child went missing like this is describing what the environment is what this child's going you know she's that was the only one that really called that out and then they dropped the lawsuit uh conveniently so right and i mean why wouldn't you include that that's all pertinent of course you'd include that that's just I mean, the police ludicrous to not. Yeah, the police. It that's yeah. the thing with the the Hollywood Police Department. I mean, I know your dad went railed on him afterwards, but was it was it fake? You know, was it this fake outrage that's against the, the Hollywood? The, I mean, I know that I'm just being facetious, it's but like, well, no, because if you are if you are charged, let's say hypothetically, if you are charged with predictive programming, promoting police state, fear mongering the public to get them to beg for more of that. <laughs> then are, wouldn't that make sense to come out and sure. and dodge local police saying, now we need, now, look, they can't do anything to handle missing children. We need a national level. And now we see where that's gotten and we're realizing like, which we should have a long time ago that no, we need a local level. That's how we actually are effective. 
in these kinds of situations, right? So, right. you know, I think that that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, again, different perspectives. We have to put ourselves in the minds of people who aren't as honest as, and good as most of us uh, here in America, I truly believe. Um, so we have to, you know, again, was it inside the criminal mind? So we kind of have to look at possible <laughs> right. loopholes when we're questioning things, right? That's, that's what we do. Yeah. And just as a post-it note, <clears throat> I want to show this again. Um, I mean, this is James Campbell. And he said, I was Adam's father his brother, his uncle, and his best friend. Um, and he was also his godfather. So at 19 years old. Now, I don't know anybody at 19 years old that is responsible enough to do anything, to be honest. I know I wasn't, that's for sure. I'm not saying, I'm sure there are there's some kids that are more mature than others, but this guy is acting as all these role models in Adam's life. And he's just a living I don't know, pool boy, let's just call him, you know, whatever, for a bit, lack of a better term. I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's very understandable in turn. I mean, you know, obviously it is what it is, right? We know these are the facts now, but I think that's what we're trying to kind of, you know, vet out, if you will, is how did this happen? What was really going on? Why, you know, I mean, all these different questions I could go on, but you know, why, like you went over, why is a 19 year old involved? Why is my dad meeting him at 12 and 13? Then he's becoming so close with my parents and then Godfather. And then he's sleeping with my mother before he moves into the house too. And then he continues. And then, uh, you know, right before Adam disappears, there's this, we went through the affidavits, you know, there's all this banter and emphasis on, oh, it was a mutual decision for me to move out. No, actually it was John and Reve said it was him and no, Reve, it was her idea. And we have him like moving out weeks before this happens. So there's questions there. Like, would that make him more of a suspect because Adam was what kept my parents together? That's a big thing that is, he also even, I think mentions in what we read last week that yeah. Adam was the big part of like he, why they were together. Um, would that be something, you know, would uh, my mom, you know, be wanting to get rid of Adam so she can go be with her younger lover. I mean, I don't, I'm just throwing out possibilities here, but you know, we need to be asking those than just like, oh, these serial killers all came into a random Sears department store and took this boy off the side of the wall, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. I, I'm not okay with that. Like, that doesn't no, satisfy me. me. It's BS. No. Uh, Joe Matthews is BS. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get to him later, and we'll cover him a lot. I think maybe one night I'll have to, you know, one day I'll have to give him a call with everybody on and see if he'd like to, you know, give any insight. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, guys. No pun, no pun intended. intended. No pun intended. He wants to give any insight into uh, what's going on. I mean, that's what I'm here to do. I will call up and ask, you know, what would you like to make comments? What's going on? I think that's what more people should be doing with things like the National Center uh, mm -hmm. for Missing Children Issues. Be calling and asking what's going on you know they they're paid with your taxpayer money so side tangent but i think that that's important i just know the spoonful of the narrative that we've been fed over the last 40 plus years is a bunch of crap like i don't believe one bit of it there's way more to this story and that's why we're doing this show so that you guys can look at the evidence and make your own sound judgment and objective have an objective point of view that's really the goal of this so all right let's get to this tiktok i think she does a great job with uh 
similar to Jim, uh, Jim Campbell. In all the interviews, Megan tells us to go look at the documents. So that's what I did. I started with what happened that morning. John Walsh left the residence at approximately 9 a.m. And sometime after that, between 9 and 9.30, James Campbell arrived. James and Reve were having an affair for the past three years. So that's a little side note. James states that they had breakfast and that he left around 10 a.m. Now, Reve states that she left the residence with Adam approximately 11 o'clock. Her destination was to pay for his tuition at the St. Mark's Lutheran Church, which is approximately a 30-minute drive. Now, according to Jackie Wing, the woman who took the tuition from Reve at the school, stated that she came in between 10 and 10.30, and that Adam was not with her that morning. Reve claims Adam didn't like to be left alone, and she would never leave him alone in a car. Oh, good job. In a one-minute clip, I think she does a great yeah. job. Um, she's yeah. absolutely amazing. She's actually uh, ex-military. She was uh, one of the first women within the military to come out about, uh, you know, abuse within the military, especially to women. Uh, she had a big case and, and it was she did a very good job. Um, she did a wonderful job. There were more. We'll have to, I think I have some of them saved actually, but we had to save them and pull it because her account on TikTok was taken down right after she released those. Um, so yeah, and here she points out a couple things that I want to bring up first being, you know, obviously this woman, the secretary is stating that when my mother came in to pay tuition, that Adam was not with her. Um, and then my mother says at the time in 1983, as a response to that, she says, oh, I left him in the car and I just ran in to pay. Well, she's simultaneously saying that I would never leave Adam. He always has to be with people. We see this throughout, right? This theme of Adam needing people, wanting to be, you know, close and, you know, very timid uh, boy and all of that. Also a lot of similarities to fetal alcohol syndrome or some sort of spectrum needs or, um, you know, uh, behaviors, if you will, just putting that out there. Um, but she talks about that and, or, you know, throughout my mother says that, and she says she left him in the car that day. Now, when we look at her statements later, uh, years later, she, I believe it's like 83 or so 84. She states that, no, I walked, he was, he was, I was holding his hand. He walked in with me. Um, so which is it, you know, what, what exactly. is going on here? I don't think that the secretary's lying for no reason and saying the boy wasn't with her, you know, that kind of a thing. So that brings up, you know, a, a big thing as well as again, going back to him always being needy, very timid. Mm -hmm. James we went into how he, you know, talks about that a lot. Um, but then here she is also leaving. So in twice in the same day, if we believe Reve Walsh, then she's claiming that a boy that's six years old, that is very timid there. James says they're just getting him to go down, you know, to buy a drink at the baseball stand. And now they're leaving him in a, she's leaving him in a car that day to go pay. And then she's leaving him at a toy section to watch a video game. So for me, regardless of what you think about it, that doesn't add up logistically. Yeah. So, and that's all within like an hour, hour and a half. And then again, I, it makes me question the drug use. Maybe she is thinking she brought him in, but she was so high on something. Mm -hmm. She just didn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I would love to know that. 
for this. You know, my dad was a known cocaine user. Like people called and told me even like the brothers' names. I don't remember right now, so I don't want to misquote anything. But, um, you know, I was even called with like the brothers or family name that were the dealers, you know, in the neighborhood and all this stuff. Which, again, ironically, I was accused falsely by my parents of having local drug dealers coming in and out of my house with a medical marijuana card and no other anything. So uh, I don't know, uh, but it seems to me that that would be them talking about themselves again and projection if we actually look at facts. Right. Well, let's go to this article. Uh, This is from the Florida Files. And this goes back to uh, the James Campbell testimony. And this brings in Joe Matthews, actually. He was the one conducting these uh, polygraphs. Uh, In the aftermath of finding, actually, you know what, let me zoom in so you guys can see it better. Sorry, guys, I'm drinking coffee off to the side because I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, in the aftermath of finding Adam's severed head in a canal near Florida's turnpike two weeks after his disappearance on July 27th, 1981, police questioned suspects, even going back to some of the initial people they've already interviewed. One of them is James Campbell, the family friend who lived at the Walsh's until a week before Adam's murder. There's that week before, Megan. Uh, He is being eyed by the lead detective on the case, Jack Hoffman. On his polygraph test on August 7th, Campbell admits to having a four-year affair with Reve Walsh. So there's infidelity. The timing gets longer, too. Versus like, oh, just four years. Three years. No, it's actually four years. Uh, That gives cops an easy out, the perfect solution, an ending that would play out like a TV movie. Miami Beach Police Detective Joe Matthews was hired by the Hollywood Police Department early in the investigation to do polygraphs, and he's called back to perform the second lie detector on Campbell. That's Joe right there. Played out like a a TV movie. Just like, yeah. (laughs) And he did, we're going to go into what happened with Joe a little later on. He's got a lot of endeavors going on. Uh, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Campbell had nothing to do with anything. This is a quote from from uh, Joe Matthews. Jimmy Campbell had nothing to do with anything and he was an honorable guy and he had an alibi that was fail safe. Matthews said he rented these windsurfers and they did a commercial and they had him in a commercial going back and forth and back and forth the day Adam Walsh went missing. And yet they still kept him as a prime suspect. He's talking about the Hollywood police department here. And by keeping him as a prime suspect, even after I eliminated him as a suspect and, and we made a big deal. Uh, Hoffman said, you, you polygraph him a second time to make sure you're right. And then if he is eliminated a second time, I'll drop it. I rescheduled it. And that was the day they found Adam's head. I totally eliminated him as a suspect. Yet they ignored all other leads just to focus on him. That was the reunion, reunion, ruination, gosh, of the case. Don't see that word. I, I, you don't see that word every day. Uh, Matthew's summary statement from August 10th, 1981 says this, Mr. Campbell showed no psychological reactions, uh, which would be indicative of being deceptive on any of the relevant questions asked. Therefore, it is the opinion of this examiner based on Mr. Campbell's exam that he responded truthfully. Police continue to follow up on other tips. Okay, so we know also we have many people that came forward that they said we came forward then and went to the Hollywood police and we were actually turned away. In my father's book, Tears of Rage, he even quotes in a, taking it out of context that, you know, so many people were calling the, you know, and had all these, you know, firsthand accounts and they were all crazy and off and everything. So 
Um, what we do know is that it appeared to the people that were actually there and reporting with nothing to lose or gain from this, um, that they were being turned away if their information uh, like didn't go along with the media narrative that had already been put out. Let's put it that way, I guess. Um, so we do know that. Um, Joe Matthews, I'll remind people that haven't watched the other shows or know the history. Um, uh, Joe Matthews essentially came from the Miami Homicide Department. He was doing other stuff like teaching law enforcement departments and stuff like that was really his gig. Um, but he was associated with the Miami Homicide Department. So they brought him in, I mean, to the Miami Homicide Department. So they brought him into Hollywood uh, to do these polygraphs. Now, he was already working and specializing in things like nonverbal interrogation techniques, uh, which then also includes like hypnosis that we see later. He's having ordered and having my mom and James Campbell and the security guard hypnotized with others. And then they changed their take of the day. And, uh, he, and he yeah. also had, a, I think, a six or seven year old kid hypnotized. I yes, was reading that today. Right. Yeah. He mm -hmm. did. He did, actually. One of the kids. Um, so there's that. And after, you know, my past and leaving new age and, you know, all that kind of stuff, once I started learning about, you know, the real sides of hypnosis, you know, you wouldn't know if, if that happened to you, you wouldn't know once you went under hypnosis, what was said to you or programmed to you or anything like that. So, um, you know, there's that. Okay. So anyways, then he's reverting and using and basing all of this on polygraph tests, which obviously are not uh permissible in court um i, I want to digress for a second why i brought the ho miami homicide is that at that time right before that this is also the time of cocaine cowboys um of you know iran contra things like that later on we see but we want to know like in the span of history right so when you have the cocaine cowboys down there, it was actually found out uh, they were busted within the Miami homicide department that I believe it was two of the detectives were actually working with the mob because they wanted to be mob eventually. So they were infiltrated and um, very corrupt within that Miami homicide department already at the time. So James comes, I mean, uh, excuse me, Joe comes in, he's using polygraph, he's, you know, he's saying right here, we see him say, oh, I, they went with this, even though I had already cleared him. Um, to me, this looks like somebody brought in to, again, be the cleanup guy, to drive a narrative. He's stating here, there's no way it could be Campbell. How can he be so sure of that and so soon? And when we see him later come in, to you know push this huge oddest tool narrative and make a lot of money off of it and close this case uh so no one looks at it or questions it anymore i mean that's that's a lot of incentive i mean that's a thing right yeah there. and last last week we went over the polygraphs with your father and your mother which only took by the way about a minute total for both of them because he only asked four your dad questions. about four questions your mom i think seven or eight um so that's that's odd but then campbell you know, there's two, well, gosh, we read through 12 pages last week of Campbell's, which that's what it should have been for every suspect, right? Anybody involved closely with Adam. But for some reason, your mom and dad got special treatment. Now, was it empathy? Was he empathizing with the Walsh's because they were, their child was taken? I guess you could say that, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think it looks very suspicious. Just like you said, I was very suspicious when I, when I first started reading these documents. This guy's brought in from Miami, and yes, there were already problems in the Miami 
office there. They were having issues like guys that are with the mafia. I mean, they're running uh, drugs. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's a real problem. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. this guy, and then Especially Joe, no finders around as well. The fine, exactly. Yeah. And we're going to, we'll get into the finders here with uh, Mr. Gunderson a little bit, but you know, it's, it's interesting that this guy comes in and he becomes great friends with your father too, by the way. Uh, I mean, they, to this day, they're, they're buddy, buddy. Right. And he's written, I don't know, a couple books. He solved the, he, he found the killer of Adam. Uh, it was out tool he's back in 20, handler, isn't he? 2014. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just an amazing fella here. And also, um, I I'll be darned. Let me, let me see if I got, yeah, here it is. He's also an entrepreneur. Apparently, um, <laughs> he was, he made the entrepreneur page. Yeah. He made the, uh, in-home kit makes genetic IDs convenient and affordable. So mm -hmm. good for him. Making a few bucks. And that was part of the whole get every kid's fingerprint, get the DNA, mm -hmm. and now we're getting the facial recognition through uh, school pictures now. So this was all part yeah. of it. Hey, I'm all for capitalism, I guess. <laughs> yeah, on our blood and our children. Yeah, I know. Right. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> Moloch, no, I, I don't know what we're talking about. Um, okay. <laughs> So moving right along. No, Joe, you know, Joe, I've been highly critical of Joe and Joe has even lied out of his teeth when he's been questioned about me. Right. He says, I've never met her. That's we right. have the picture from the press conference of us on the stage together for one example. Like this guy's known me my entire, that's the biggest he, joke I've ever heard. Such, such a great detective. He didn't even see you sitting there on the stage with your father. <laughs> he, didn't even, he was so Maybe he needed that mag... Maybe you needed that old time magnifying glass to see if you were there. Yeah. Well, I want, I want to challenge everyone to go and you can find it online, like a Kindle preview and different things like that of the book. But I challenge everyone to go look at the forward section of Joe Matthews book that he wrote, bringing Adam home uh, and, and see what that's, I'm going to tell you what it says, but I want everyone to go look <laughs> at it for themselves. And what it says is, in the beginning, it blatantly lays out in the foreword that this book is a work of fiction. <laughs> you can't make it up. You can't. Literally, literally cannot make it up. I mean, make it make sense. I think that's the point, you know, for people that are like, what, what is going on here, really? The whole point is that we're, that is the question. Like, what is going on here? We're trying to make sense of this that is not sensical to, especially towards what we've been, if we're correlating what we've been told, we're trying to go with that narrative. We really want to believe that. Um, it, it's, it's very hard actually to, to do so. I, I personally think that's my opinion. I remember when you sent that over, we were like, I think we were just texting or something. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this cannot be real. Sure enough, I looked it up and it was. It's right there. <laughs> You're just like, this is so stupid. Like, I I don't even know how you, how do you go to your publisher and say, okay, now the forward, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have this in here. And this is supposed to be facts, right? Evidence this and facts and the police. On facts. But this <laughs> is a fiction. The whole account is fiction. So bizarre. Though. And then he says that uh, the only, you know, the only physical copy of, you know, the record, his, his findings and all of his work to come to this, right? You'd think that this would be this guy's life work, right? You'd keep, you know, definitely make sure you had all of that and everything you did. And then he says that, oh, I erased everything on my computer because I thought that Willis Morgan, who's the gentleman that uh, has provided us with justice for Adam.com and, and way more, 
Um, he said, oh, I'm, I was afraid that Willis Morgan was going to break into my home and, and take my computer. So I erased it all off of my computer. And, you know, the only physical copy that I had of all this work that I did, I gave to my ghostwriter, my co-author, uh, Lance Staniford, I think is his name. Staniford is his last name. I think it's Lance, Larry, something like that. Um, and, uh, and he took it to Cuba with him and he lost it. And so we don't know. It's in Cuba somewhere. You know, NASA lost the footage from the moon landing too. So it's possible. Maybe man. they're in Cuba together. Maybe the video, <laughs> somebody's got the video and the records of proof of Otis Tool killing Adam. Oh, we live in clown world. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Oh, gosh. Okay. So did you want to, uh, we can either go right into the Gunderson stuff, or do you want to read a little bit of the beginning of James testimony or i mean uh, his polygraph we did read through it last week but i mean if yeah. you want to kind of just cover a little bit just to give the folks at home that maybe didn't see this last time a, a feeling of who reve walsh is and and james campbell and their relationship would you like to do that yeah. i think while we're still on it we should do that for a second and then we'll get to ted sure so we'll read just a well, just, yeah, Ted's amazing. He's always been a hero of mine. And I always called him Gunderson. So I know earlier you said Ted. And I'm like, Ted, who's Ted? I'm like, oh, Gunderson. Yeah, that's right. I was <laughs> like, Gunderson, like, the two videos that you duh, posted. That I posted. <laughs> I always called him Gun. So, like, I, I just forgot about it. I love that guy. No, that I mean, such Ted, an, such Gunderson, an amazing. and Nancy Schaefer, yeah. we have to really always pay homage to them. Those yep. are my two Kathy O'Brien. Yep. Kathy, I mean, is incredible. Mm -hmm. But Nancy yep. Schaefer and Ted Gunderson are truly amazing. Absolutely. people to admire and to look into if you're not aware of who they are and to really emulate who, who they yeah. were. Whistleblowers, and they risked their life and gave their life because of what they were doing. That's how you know it's and genuine. And articulate and, articulate. and genuine. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, Nancy Brilliant. we have a senator. We've got Ted Gunderson. Right. I mean, how could you get more inside information, you know? And this guy, like we talked about last week, Gino, you know, this guy had nothing to gain and everything to no. lose. Um, and I just am so appreciative of their their grace and their delivery and their courage and, you know, just I mean, I could go on and on, but please, everyone, yeah. if you're not real, familiar, real heroes, those are mm -hmm. heroes that uh, that I um, have always acknowledged and, and look up to. And when we get into that a little bit later, I mean, if you don't know who Ted Gunderson is, I mean, he was the uh, L.A. FBI um, lead investigator. The guy's just brilliant. And we're going to we got three videos we're going to go through. But first, we'll touch on this James Campbell testimony and then we'll get into that. Uh, so I. I, I'm just going to read, I think we'll go through, I think it's three pages, but I, the reason we're doing this is so that you can see, this is actually from James Campbell's mouth, testifying his relationship with Reve Walsh, drug use, sex, it's all right here in the first couple pages. So it says, uh, on August 10th, 1981, a follow-up of polygraph examination was conducted by Mr. James Campbell on Mr. James Campbell, which consisted of an extensive pretest interview and the formulation of relevant questions that were asked on his polygraph examination that pertained specifically to the relevant issue which concerned the disappearance of Adam Walsh. The following are excerpts from that pretest interview. When Mr. Campbell entered the room that was to be used to conduct the polygraph examination, he appeared to be nervous and somewhat upset. He said, Joe, why are they treating me so rough? I know they think I'm responsible for Adam being missing. The police are making all kinds of accusations. I've got to calm down. Calm down. 
I've got to convince myself not to let the barbarians get to me. I should have just said to myself that they were just doing their job and not take it personally, but I do take it personally. It is very upsetting. After several minutes of conversation, this sounds like a script. <laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds like it's made for movies. Literally. After, after several minutes of conversation not relating to the specific issue, the undersigned was able to calm Mr. Campbell down and begin the interview. Remember, this is Joe Matthews conducting this. James, let's start from the very beginning. Okay, Joe, I could talk to you. I trust you. Why does he trust him? That's a good question, yeah. right? Why? Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't know Joe from Adam. And no, no pun intended. Not at all. Uh, and real okay. quick, I want to say yeah. something before mm -hmm. I forget. Before we move on past that, we and people forget, we did just read Joe stating that there, he saw no signs of psychological anything mm -hmm. that would, you know, indicate this. This is another point because last show we went over the questioning of James, and the very beginning of the questioning starts with, you know, why are you so in several different ones, variations of why are you so nervous, James. Uh, then it even goes into, you know, my parents and John and Reve say that I should go talk to somebody. Um, you know, I've got a lot on my shoulders. Then my dad stating James did everything he was supposed to do. I mean, I just want to remind people That's of what right. we went over last week. Um, and again, paying for the attorney, getting everybody cleared in the first week by the guy brought in from the outside that then we later see, you know, closing the case fictionally and, you know, benefiting significantly from, you know, his association uh, with the case. Right. And handling oh. this, you know, narrative, making sure that this narrative stays what it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's like keeping them on the tracks, right? Okay, Joe, I could talk to you. I trust you. I can't remember per se when I met Reve. The first time I actually talked to her was at John Monahan's homes. While I was in high school, probably sometime around 1974, it was when John Walsh was working for GAC and they were married. Had you met her before they were married? I heard a lot about her from John. I'm sure I met her on one, or one of our trips, but I really can't remember. The actual time I really met her was during the summer I graduated from high school. Okay, so how old? Your mom was four years older than him? Three or four? Uh, well, what? He was... So he graduated from high school. He said the first time he met was graduated from high school. So he's 18, let's say. She had to be, what, 22, probably? Yeah, roughly. Okay. I liked her from the very first. I didn't know if it was uh, bells and stars in love, but it was just the fact that... Who says that? <laughs> bells and stars in love. But it was... There's a lot of... I mean, it must have been the jargon of the time that we're not... I know, guess. Maybe. Maybe. Throughout all of this. Yeah. It was just the fact that she was a nice person. She was pregnant at the time, <clears throat> maybe five or six months pregnant. We had all drove to the River Ranch. It was John Monahan, myself, John, and Reve. River Ranch. Remember River Ranch. Go ahead. Uh, we drove in the station wagon, and that was the first big trip that we made together. I remember getting a ticket while driving for speeding. The place we went to was like a villa. John Sr. and Mrs. Monahan were already there with some of the children. John and I, John Monahan had our own room, and John and Reve had theirs. When was the first time you were attracted to Reve? She was beautiful when she was pregnant. She just glowed like an angel. I always thought she was a beautiful woman. When was the first time the two of you were alone? I guess at their house in Hallandale at lunchtime. She may have made me a sandwich or gave me a beer, and we talked about fixing up the bedroom for the baby. She was bugging John to do it, but he was always working. She had brown furniture, and we painted it white with yellow handles. 
Then we bought yellow shades with golden triangles and some decals for the mirrors. We fixed up the baby's room real nice. She told me John had constantly been putting her off concerning fixing up the room, so we did it together. We were we were friends. <laughs> we were friends. Yes, yes, something in there. We were friends. I would help her out, go to the store. We were very casual with each other. She did not have a car at the time, so I drove her. Did she ever confide in you before the baby was born? Not really. I don't recall. We were just friends. But I don't think she told me anything very personal. I remember before that time we met in Key West together. The Monahan family. John and me. That's that's interesting. I remember she and I sat on the seawall together and we smoked marijuana. How cute. Who's mar whose marijuana was it? It was hers. Wait, whose was it? Hers? Hmm. Okay. My mother well, used to tell me that if weed was legal, she would buy it with her, like lettuce with her weekly groceries. That's a quote. <laughs> we only had a few joints. I remember we were smoking the last one and I dropped it in the water. We were passing it back and forth. Did you ever snort cocaine with Reve? Yes, but I can't remember the last time. I think they had friends over from out of town. I can't remember the last time. Yeah. <laughs> there was John, Reve, Karen, and myself. Who's yeah, Karen? Karen's at Jeff. core. So it's a big, so there's this core people group of people. Nancy has since died, but this also includes Carmen Bracken. And I look, I'm going to say something really off the cuff and really wrong, but this is my assumption. I'm not going to have stuff to back it up because I'm not going into this, but if a swinger's lifestyle was any part of this, these were the people, Karen, Carmen Bracken that we're going to see throughout. These were the older people that like quote unquote took my parents under their wings if you will and groomed mm. and then we see a lot of you know there's always this underlying sex thing my dad being the sex addict you know all that kind of stuff so just so we're we're jeff and karen close with the monahans uh yes and uh jeff i believe it's referring to jeff o'regan who we we brought up last time from notre dame mm -hmm. my dad's uh, best friend and that would be uh I believe that's the Jeff that they're referring to here. Gotcha. Jeff's wife. Jeff is John's best friend. Yeah. Did you ever have a relationship with Karen? No. Continue if you would. Now, when Reve and I talk about a relationship, she would say, we, our relationship, she would say, why did you wait so long? <laughs> wow. This is like a. Okay. Hot novel. Okay, uh, when, Reve, what, okay, when was the first time you and Reve were intimate with each other? It was one night when Adam was in bed. We were smoking a joint again. <laughs> then we drank some tea and watched TV. I was rubbing her back, nothing sexual, just her neck and shoulders. But after doing it a while, and because of the fact that we were alone and had just finished smoking a joint, my hands roamed and she turned all at the same time. It was just a mutual thing, nothing planned. It just happened and we kissed. Where was John at the time? He was out of town on business. What happened then? One thing led to another, and we slept together. Actually, we didn't sleep together. We had sex. Then I <laughs> then slept I on the couch. Then I slept on the couch. <laughs> oh, man. The next morning, she was very uneasy. <laughs> she told me. Are we making a movie after this? Like, I, it, oh, my oh gosh. My she told me we should never let it happen again. You have to understand the relationship we had. I would spend the nights there when John was out of town, not for the sex part of it, but because I would watch out for her and Adam and do errands around the house. Then Reve and I became intimate. We knew we shouldn't do it, but it was very natural, nothing cheap about it. 
It was beautiful when it happened. We knew we were in love, but didn't know what we were going to do about it. For Adam's sake, she would stay with John. We discussed little things, like someday having a little car, a little house together, when Adam got older. She wouldn't do... She wouldn't do anything until Adam reached a certain age. We talked about two years. Maybe that's how long it would take to finish college. Nothing happened after Adam was born. She and John drifted apart. Something happened. Yeah. Something uh, happened. You said nothing. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, something. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Something. Uh, I never, <laughs> I, something did happen. Yeah. Uh, I never pried, but there wasn't that closeness. Reve felt it was coming from John, not her. She felt he was the cause of them not being close. Once when Revy and I were driving together, I made mention to her that one of my old girlfriends lived to live there and pointed to a house when we drove by. The next day, she said to me that she didn't want me fooling around with another girl. I told her I wasn't, and I wasn't going to. Do you have any other relationships with other girls, or have you had sex with any other girls since the first time you made love to Reve? I went out a couple of times, but there was never a relationship. I was faithful. No other girls, no other relationships, just her, just Reve, because I loved her. Did Reve see any other man while the two of you were together? No, she wasn't into the nightstands. She is too much of a mother, too serious. At the one time we were the most serious, I didn't have my shit together. It was a time when we felt it difficult to be apart from each other. We enjoyed each other's company. This was during the middle of our relationship. If I had everything together at that time, when we, when we would have had been together now, I didn't do my part. I just I, want to interrupt real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I want to interrupt real quick because mm -hmm. it says, you know, that she wasn't in the one night stand. She's too much of a mother, too serious, all this stuff. No, it was that she wasn't going to leave my father for someone who didn't have his shit together. Basically. That's exactly what it is. That my mother does. She wants to be taken care of. She's never mm -hmm. had a job. She's never worked. She always just has staff and abuses. And here she is. I just, I just have to say that. Sorry. You know, he threw in that part about she wanted to be, she was too much of a mother, but was she yeah. too much of a mother so that she could just stay home and do what she wanted to do while and he was out working? That's the question. Still, though, like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a time when we were super close. We didn't even argue. I guess because she was on a guilt trip, she started busting my balls for me not following up. We understood it. I had to make a move and do something. That was about one or one and a half years ago. I tried to get the boats going, but because of the bad weather, there weren't, they weren't a success. They weren't successful. I wanted out of the house about a year ago. Reve was putting pressure on me lately. She told me that I had to have a life of my own and that our relationship was going nowhere. My goal at that time was to get an apartment of my own. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to go back to my parents. Whether or not Reve came with me wasn't important. I had to be on my own. I had to do it myself. I had to prove it to myself that I could do it. Reve told me we could have, we could have had a thing. We should have had a thing. And she was disappointed in me. She told me that. Yeah, How much exactly. do you love her now? I love her a lot. Okay. So I think that's probably the gist of, well, maybe we can go a little bit further. I would have had stuff. to have it yeah, together. Let's go look. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how much do you love her now? I love her a lot. Did Reve tell you that she and John wanted to have another baby? No, not per se. John would say to Adam, how would you like and to wait, have a baby sister? A wait, mm -hmm. Gino, that was a big thing. Sorry. Because, and he'll go into it. But in the other one, my mother is very adamant about, uh, she asked, she asks James, did you tell them that I wanted to have another baby with John? Which would be a great, like, 
additive to an alibi, but I'll just put that out there. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Excellent point, actually. Uh, no, not per se. John would say to Adam, how would you like to have a baby sister? At one time, I didn't think it was possible, but after the past year, it was very feasible. There is a big difference between John and I. I'm stagnant, and John is just now taking off in the business. I would have had to have it all together or forget it. Adam came first for the both of us. I guess I kind of knew she wanted to have a baby. After I took the first polygraph, when I got home, we all discussed it. Reve and I talked about the test. When I got home, she asked me where I was for seven hours. She asked me what it was all about, and I told her. It was at that time she said to me, didn't you tell him that John and I were talking about having another baby? I told her, no, I never told him that. When I got home that night, my sister was there with Reve, and they were awake w waiting for me. Jeff was napping. They both asked me what happened. I told them that I told them that they asked me a lot of personal questions, and they told me to tell them exactly what was asked before I would answer any of the questions. I was waiting for my sister to leave. Reve and I walked my sister to the car, and then she left. After that, Reve asked me what questions were asked during the polygraph test. I told her they asked about our relationship. She asked me what I said, and I told her that we were in love. I told her that I, I told her that I told you that we made love together. Then she said I knew that was going to come up. I assured Reve it was confidential. She said she was sure our stories were different versions concerning what happened between us. Reve asked me if I mentioned that she and John were going to have another kid, and I said to her, "Oh, really? I wasn't told." Then she said to me, "You heard us talking about it." Reve and I had a little argument about that, and I walked back into the house. She made some tea. We drank the tea and talked. When I got back into the house, she was looking in the refrigerator and broke down and was crying about Adam. I held her, and she took a sleeping pill and went to bed. Karen woke up because she couldn't sleep, and we all slept in the living room together. Oh, hmm. oh we all slept in the living room together. Lots, yeah, lots of... Lots of juicy details right Jeff there. Jeff is taking a nap. I mean, I guess you could argue like they all were there because Adam went missing, but still, that was a usual like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was an average. Oh, I think you muted. Your microphone muted, Megan. There you go. Doing that. Okay, sorry. What were you saying, Gina? Sorry. Well, I yeah, it's a regular occurrence at the Walsh household. So, I mean, and then a sleeping pill to go to sleep. Now, okay, under the duress right. and the things that are going on, yes, okay, I could, I could see that. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but we know she's a drug user. So was a sleeping pill a regular routine or was it just, you know, this is an uncommon situation and she needs one to go to sleep to settle down? Mm -hmm. I don't know. We need to ask these questions. I wish Joe Matthews would ask these questions. Yeah, I wish that John would would answer these questions. <laughs> or address it okay well we touched <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so all right we just wanted we wanted to kind of lay the groundwork there we're gonna because that's gonna kind of go forward into where we're um bringing this next week so we just wanted to touch on that a little bit but we definitely want to get into this gunderson stuff um and this doesn't this doesn't directly tie into what we talked about tonight but kind of sorta because what we've discovered in the couple of years, at least that I've been involved with this and Megan a lot longer, obviously, is that the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children was discovered and founded by John and Reve 
because of Adam's disappearance. And this could just never happen to another American child again and families across America. And something needed to be done because the police and the FBI were doing nothing about it. Uh, there was no databases. There was no coordination between departments. So they were going to start something that was going to fundamentally change finding missing children. Now, was it an epidemic before this? How many kids were going missing every year? I don't know. I don't know the statistics on that. But in, that was, so let's see, it was 1994 NECMEC was founded? Uh, 1984. It was 80, what did I say? 94? Yeah, 84. Sorry. Yeah. So 1984, it's founded, right? And everybody's on board with this. Of course they are, because the whole narrative to that point is like, something has to be done. Yeah. Something's got to be done. We got to save children. Um, and, and I mean, on the outside looking in, of course, you're going to agree with that. I mean, the, the American public's going to be like, yes, something needs to be done. Why wasn't anything done decades ago? I mean, mm -hmm. that that's just, a, that would children. be the natural reaction. You're not, you're children. not going to question it. And it's people exactly. who just lost their child. So you're not going to question it. And we've seen that transpire and how that's panned out with other organizations, as we've talked about prior. And especially with, uh, you know, good old O-U-R these days and all that. So we're seeing <laughs> yeah. that across. Yeah, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children now has expanded. There's an International Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's worldwide now. And so it's, you know, on the outside, it looks like a great thing. But what we're going to show you, and I think we're going to make it very apparent as time goes on with these shows, is that there might have been something a little more nefarious going on here from the, from the outset of this. And why why Adam's case was kind of held as this pillar for the American public to, to look at and say, wow, yeah, we really need to get on board with this. And I'm going to go and out. Why and, the National Center has become being formed in 84 before the Clinton Foundation, before exactly. the Coons Foundation, before the McCain Institute, before the Bo Biden Foundation, before the, you know, Poly Class Foundation, before any mm -hmm. of these other foundations, the National Center was founded and what we're seeing with especially organizations like Child Focus and different things like you brought up ICMEC, we're seeing that they've become essentially a prototype with Ernie Allen uh, behind it, you know, training right. and, and showing everyone the ropes. Yeah, know. prototype's a good work. It, they laid the groundwork for everything else to come after it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think it's a well-orchestrated plan as we go forward. And I think we can connect those yeah, dots and, later and on, well, but. And many of the organizations like child focus that they have, you know, modeled themselves after the national center with the help of Ernie Allen have been proven to be involved in child trafficking. <laughs> sure. So that too. Yeah. There's, there's so a lot. There's been the original prototype. Right. Right. But as we mentioned before, I mean, Ted Gunderson, just an amazing human being whistleblower from the FBI and very credible. I mean, I think, I don't think anybody can question his credentials. They tried, they, they just tried. like they always do with whistleblowers. They try to discredit them and say they're nuts and crazy and, you know, on drugs. And they, what was that? I said he was murdered. So he was murdered. Yes, he was. Him, and him Nancy. No. I, I, did they know? Did I wonder if Nancy and Gundy? I mean, uh, I call him Gunny. Again. Gunny. I had all these <laughs> nicknames when I, I know, but I used to, I like, I used to know him or something. I don't know. <laughs> Gunny, <laughs> it's just, that's it's just, I used, I used to watch, <laughs> I used to watch all his stuff and I used to just have all these names that I just call. Um, anyway. Okay. So I wonder if there was ever a relationship between, <laughs> it's kind of funny. If there was a relationship between him and Nancy ever, if they ever discussed this stuff. It's funny because as much as I love them and know, we know about them. I've never actually, you know, 
That would have been an interesting conversation. Yeah, it definitely would be. What are, I mean, the same time frames. I'm sure they crossed mm -hmm. paths before. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay, so let's play this first video, and I want you to listen very closely to who he's naming in this uh, talk that he was doing. And we're going to set up a real organization to look for the missing children. Now, you're going to tell me that the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children doesn't look for children? The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is a joke. It's a part of the Department of Justice being financed uh, through the Department of Justice. They have a multi-million dollar budget. They have a staff of, who knows, 20, 30 people. I've been in their office. They have found through the years, and I've known for them to be in existence at least 20 years, I think 95 or 96 children. You give me that money, and I'll tell you what, I'll find 95, 96 children in one month. You remember? Thank you, sir. You remember they used to put the kids' pictures on the milk cartons? And they took them off? I contend, I don't know, I can't tell you why. I contend too many kids were being located through those milk cartons. Your federal government doesn't want you to find these kids. Because your federal government, particularly the finders, CIA organization out of Washington, D.C. is the biggest motivating factor behind the missing children in this country today. Why? Yeah. Well, there's several reasons. <clears throat> Kids are used for body parts, sex slaves. Um, they're used for the satanic ceremonies. And a 10, 11, 12-year-old blue-eyed, blonde-haired kid will sell on the auction block outside Las Vegas outside Toronto, Canada, and a barn in Lincoln, Nebraska, these are the three locations I'm aware of, for $50,000. Paul Benassi, a young man who was willing to come forward on the Nebraska case, has attended these auctions. He attended six such auctions in Las Vegas, Nevada. The fewest number of children there were six, the most highest number were 36. The auctions took place near a landing strip. Foreigners came in with turbans on and took these kids, put them in the plane, put them in campers, who knows what, where they went from there. 100,000 children disappear. I have personally filed com formal complaints to the great FBI about the finders being an organized international child kidnapping ring. They have yet to come out and interview me formally and get my documentation, which, as I pointed out to you, is a U.S. Customs report. <clears throat> now, the great FBI, they can tell you how many bank robberies, how many kidnappings, quote, end quote, their kidnapping figures, how many cars were stolen last year, and what have you. They claim, in the kidnapping department, 75 to 80 children a year. That's a joke. They can keep track of cars, they can keep track of bank robberies, aggravated assaults, but they don't keep track of how many kids disappear every year. Oh. And that's by design. Oh my gosh. Megan, when I first <laughs> met you, I remember within the first week, you were saying the exact same thing Gundy was saying. <laughs> that's his new name. And I hadn't even seen that clip actually until nope. yesterday or whenever you posted it. Mm -hmm. I was literally, you guys, freaking out. Because this whole time I've been saying this stuff, and I love Gundy, 
and uh, I've seen endless speeches of his, and you know, I had never seen that clip. I, I was me neither, really and. And obviously, we need to make a hat tip to our good friend, Mike Pack, the Hollywood Reporter. Go follow him on Twitter. Mike's our good friend, and uh, he posted that a couple days ago, and it's amazing. That was a great find. And when he when he posted it, I was like, oh, man, there's more. I know there's more of him talking about this stuff. So I instantly, I'm like, I got to go on YouTube and see if there's more stuff. And, and like it was like the second video I pull up, and he's talking about Neckmeck again. I'm like, I'll be darned. I so, know. I couldn't it's believe amazing. it. I was like, did we just, it, it did it take us this long to find a treasure? Just went, <laughs> you know, like, what are we right doing? over the head. Yeah. But I mean, how many, how many truth bombs did he have in that, you know, three and a half minute video there? It's just uh, one after and another. Was, and I want to say he quoted a hundred thousand then. And mm -hmm. I think we all are well aware in the trafficking world that we're at over 800,000 yeah. children a year. Well quoted, well known. Um, the issue since efforts have been made on a national level and employed has risen five to 600%. The issue has risen. Um, so this is obviously not effective by even the science and statistics, like the logistics from it. Um, I also wanted to make a point here. I wanted to lay something out that he brought up is the whole missing kids, right? So we're going off of missing kids, missing kids, um, and finding them, the finders, missing kids, all this, right? But if you think about it now, if you put yourself in that mind of their inside the criminal mind perspective, now, if I were to want a child or take a child or, you know, do something with a child, sell a child, whatever, what would be one of the easiest ways to like get away with it, basically? And even in the respect of like, actually on top of it getting like sympathy and like, I mean, if you're a psychopath that's, you know, in this mindset of doing these kinds of things to kids, like, of course that's going to be there too. Right. So now you're getting the saviorism. If you report a child missing, like you could have done anything with that child, honestly, let's be real. And you report it missing. And then everyone, you're the victim, which we know about psychopaths and narcissists and the people that, you know, sociopaths and everything. Um, and and then you actually get the the sympathy and the victim card and the you know all of it stemming from that and what happens when children go missing there's like you know a local or a national like outcry at first maybe there's a, a even like a search team or you know there's these efforts in the beginning a poster gets made whatever and then after a while it fades off. There's the next case or there's something else in, in, you know, in front of it or taking precedent over it. And then how is that followed up? You know, what happens if that child's never found nothing, like nothing really happens. And also, you know, if you had a network and children were going missing, then what's the best thing that you can do if you find a child and you're into trafficking of any of these forms, then that's perfect, isn't it? The child's already missing. You found them, which is not hard to do if you're local. And uh, and then you can do what you want. So there's, I bring up those two different aspects because there's many different ways that people don't think about, you know, saying, oh, my child's missing, you know? And it's like the National Center for Missing and Exploited. Well, are they the ones exploiting and missing these children? Like I can make a child go missing. You know, that's, are we getting what my point is there? Um, I know it's late and I've had a really well, long day. Well, but, no, but you know, that's, that's a great point because a lot of times this stuff's right in our face, right? It's right under our nose.
and uh, you know it's been said we're the first exploited children by the center you know right right yeah i mean you know symbolism will be their downfalls as we say um and there's there's a lot of things in plain sight that are just right there for us to see and we just kind of gloss over them because we assume these organizations are doing good or we used to I would say in the last five to six years, most people have started, not most, but a lot of people have woke up and said, wait a minute, something's, something's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a perfect example. And you're, you're so right on all of everything you said, Megan, like if you were, if you were one of these sociopaths or one of these, these psychopaths and you're like trying to think, how do I, and you're a pedo or something, and you're trying to get kids, what's a better way than saying you're saving kids? I mean, we're seeing that with OUR. You mentioned, you know, Tim Baylor's organization a little while ago. Folks, or, oh my if, God, if, my child went missing when we know that 95% of any actual sexual abuse, murder, all of that is is exactly. from a family member or someone close to the family. Exactly. That yep. Because that would reveal a lot about our society and a lot about how these things are happening. And, and in your own case, four of your own children were taken by your own father and mother. So that just mm-hmm. proves the statistics mm-hmm. right there on this show. It's familiar. Yeah, it is. It's sick. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. sick and it needs to stop. And that's why we're, uh, we're doing these shows and other shows to, to bring awareness and bring an ultimate end to the evil that is trafficking, especially of our children. And he um, brings up also Las Vegas, you know, which is, again, yes. we talk a lot about Las Vegas and I've talked out about the pimps and police program and the dead judges and their daughters that were being prostituted out and that we're covering for the police. Uh, and I've talked about Ocean Fleming and the Fall Guys and, you know, the whole network there. So when we hear, again, it being the state that is legal for, you know, prostitution, so there's a lot of loopholes there. Um, But what he's describing from this, like, missing kids thing and then the auctions outside of, uh, you know, Las Vegas and then this network, and he says finding, you know, children, the finders, there's a lot of these key words And also a lot of it is talking about things that are nefarious, but are actually what things like child protective services are from from the get go, you know, at their fundamental baseline of what they are already and what they're doing. Um, So it seems to be to me that, you know, this was really this narrative and this stranger danger and all this stuff was put out. Uh, they make the National Center, they start making legislation, there was never able a, a capability for lobbying or legislation, which is also huge money. Um, and then we see them, you know, working with other organizations to form, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. Um, and as I've said many times before, it's very reminiscent of a wide scale version of what the Finders Cult was doing and this network that they wanted to create. Um, and, and I have to say one more thing to his, uh, his blurb there, uh, was that the biggest point out of it is I've always said this, how effective are they? What are they actually doing? Is this just data collection at this point? Is this just control, fear mongering, predictive programming, police state, all the above. Yeah. And, and he makes the exact point that I started protect American Mm -hmm. family out is that yes protect american families is a national uh you know nonprofit now and we're in we're in the process guys like i said last week so it's really exciting but our point is about the local chapters about local 
efforts. You know, my Better Ways campaign is about local efforts that don't mind over, that want oversight, that want transparency, that want accountability because they understand the serious and sacred nature of, of what we're dealing with here. So I just wanted to point that out. Also, to go back to the Miss National Center for Missing Exploited Children and the titles and you know, how it is out in our face. An example that I've been using lately is about that, you know, Florida human trafficking summit uh, that Moody and DeSantis and mm -hmm. my father, the head of DCF, all, all involved in ignoring my case and taking my children, but all in one platform, out in plain sight, obviously conflict of interest, colluding right. together, scratching each other's backs while all this is going on with my children. Um, but we see that it was, I mean, a thing, big thing that bothered me is why was it the Florida Human Trafficking Summit? Why wasn't it the Florida Anti-Human Trafficking <laughs> Summit? Like, why is it the National Center for Missing and Exploit? Like, I, I get it. Like, a little I, bit. I know, I know. I but you, have, you do have to question that. You have to question it. You have to. Yeah. We're at that point. Little nuances like that. It's, you know, from the art world and from mm -hmm. new age background and Luciferian doctrine and everything. If we, if, you know, if you know about that, then. It's it reverse psychology. I mean, yeah. you could, it's something as simple as that. You know, Megan, I got the, I got the hint from Gundy there in that last clip that he doesn't really highly respect the FBI that he worked for. I don't know. I just had this like weird feeling like a, a, there was some sarcasm there from Gunn. Well, and I was going to say, it's like, hey, when's he talking about that? And we're all realizing that now. <laughs> 96. That. I haven't that even, was 96. Yeah. And I yeah. haven't even bothered to make a report to the FBI because what is that going to do? If anything, it'll just bring more retaliation against me. Uh, mm -hmm. We already know that my dad has been very vocal about the eight FBI agents that are behind my children being taken and in contact with him regarding this situation. So we already know that the FBI is involved. <laughs> uh, as much as I don't like to say that, we know the National Center is involved because I'm vocal about I'm, I'm literally at, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, why wouldn't they? I mean, I never thought that it would get to this point. I thought people would do the right thing. I thought I was doing mm -hmm. the right thing. I thought these people would want to know if there were loopholes or, you know, things going through the cracks. We would we would think that that would be the thing. And I humbly admit, you know, now everyone's like, oh, of course, you know, if you go against any of this stuff's going to happen to you and all this stuff. Well, I didn't. I didn't know that. So, no. How would you have known? I mean, we there's always, would. you know, growing up in this country, you did have respect for law enforcement and, and the FBI and. You just thought, okay, yeah, they're doing good things. They're protecting us like they're supposed to. You know, we didn't know they were bought and paid for. We didn't know who was really running these organizations. Now we do. We're awake. And you can't run to them. Just like, you know, Megan would love to go to an FBI office near her home and say, hey, this is going on. And these guys, you know, swarm in like, you know, knights, knights on a white horse. And they take care of the just problem. But they won't. Look just just look at it. Just exactly. Do your job. Do your job. There's yeah. a duty to yeah. investigate. Uh, and when you're well aware, you know, I mean, that's well, another sheriff in everybody's counties. So. Megan, this is another perfect segue that you have laid out for me and another sidebar. So I showed you these a little earlier and this, this is, has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but you know, we mentioned Ashley Moody, you know, the, um, um, what is she, the, um, attorney general of, uh, Florida and how, and DeSantis and none of them do anything about this. Zero, absolutely zero. They've been contacted many times, called out on Twitter many times, nothing. And there's well, no way they don't endorsed, they don't know. My dad, my dad just endorsed Ashley Moody for the next governor. <laughs> so yeah. 
So I I was just looking through the records uh, that uh, we were just we referenced before the um, Adam Justice for Adam website, and these were in there. And these were just a couple documents, random documents of a grand jury. Now, I know you guys probably can't really see them that clear, but you can zoom in uh, later on your phone if you want to see them. But it's, all it's really doing here is calling two different officers from, I think it was from the Miami office, uh, Miami uh, Police Department, and questioning them for some things that weren't on the up and up, okay, when they were doing the investigation. So this is a grand jury subpoena for, for two officers. Now, my question is, okay, this is back in, I think this was 96 when this subpoena was mm -hmm. was uh, sent out. They went, they testified, they did what they were supposed to do. Why in the world? It's the same thing. Let's get this straight. Megan's kids were kidnapped. Adam was kidnapped. What's the difference? If the law works for everybody and it's equal justice, blind lady justice, then why in the world isn't somebody being subpoenaed right now in her local police department in Indian River County, in the sheriff's office, for the crimes that they've committed against her right now. Why is that not happening? Can somebody please answer that? Why isn't there subpoenas being sent right at this moment? I don't have the answer, other than it's we don't have a justice system. That's what it is. And, and what we do have is two-tier. I think we definitely need to you mm -hmm. know, acknowledge that. I've never experienced this in my life to see how when you have money and power and influence, you really do, you know, own the courts. That's it. Drives me crazy. And I know it drives you crazy, Megan, especially someone that's grown up around it your whole life. I mean, this has been your entire life around law enforcement. I supported it my whole life. I still support <laughs> just... law enforcement. We obviously need law enforcement. I will never support corruption. People need to start being more articulate and with all due respect and, you know, really realize that there's, there's, a gray area and you can still support the need for law enforcement, but not be okay with the extreme corruption that currently yes. goes on. And uh, in the chat, I see Sean over there. Good friend, Sean, your friend, Sean. Uh, she has experienced quite a bit of betrayal by her local sheriff down there in Texas. So uh, yeah, Texas it, this isn't just Florida. in Florida. Two, two great Florida, states. Yeah. They, they love to go hand in hand. That's Walsh But these are, Book. Wait a there. minute. Wait, wait. Texas and Florida are red states, though, Megan. This couldn't happen in a red state, could it? <laughs> Half of the people that taking seems impossible. participating in this claim to be Republicans. And not you know, Republicans. And, and Republicans. we're also seeing that, you know, this is, I mean, we, we're seeing Florida as a huge rhino state right now. And if I, I can't deal with any more of these. Mm. Rhino. It's a clown. It's a clown show. It's a clown show. That's what we got going on right now. My mom's a rhino. My mom is, mm -hmm. and it, that's the biggest. I mean, this is off the subject, but I mean, it's still on it, but it's kind of off the cuff. That you know, the irony of all this when I'm being called out as a trumper and domestic terrorist and all this by my father, when I've never even voted in my life, I don't tweet about Trump nonstop. I don't, you know, I give credit where credit is due, and I've even criticized or questioned. You yes, know, Trump you have because I look you know what it is what it is um my issue is not political our issue here is not political um but my point is that it's really ironic because i still literally get in trouble for not 
voting and the fact that I didn't vote for, that I wouldn't vote for Trump, that I wouldn't just vote for Republicans. And that's all per Reve Walsh. Uh, so that's interesting. While my father sits on the side and was just always, you know, very evasive about what, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what party he aligned to. I know, I think for a while he was registered independent actually, but again, I brought it up on the other show that, you know, his big claim to fame was that he did that because then he could be the only one in Congress that can go up to anybody in the hallways and pin them against the wall and tell them to do what's right to get the mm -hmm. bill passed, whatever he wanted to get done that day. Right. McBray over there in uh, the Rumble chat. I will definitely get to that question. That is something we've actually discussed before, and I, it's it's an interesting question. So we will get to that a little later. We're just going to finish up a couple of videos, then we'll go to Q&A. If you guys have, there's quite a few of you over there on Rumble. So if you guys want to drop some questions or comments in for Megan, uh, go know, ahead and I'm start doing that now. Playing clip. Sorry, Gina. Yeah. So um, the Rumble chat too. Right yep. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, second clip from our friend Gundy. So when we hear about like thousands of missing children going missing in this country every year, where do they go? They, first of all, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is an adjunct of the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh -huh. uh, and if you go to their website, yes, the is. last time I checked it, they said there are 91 Americans disappear every hour in this country. It is estimated 85-90% are children. If you project that figure, you're talking about several hundred thousand children a year disappear in America. And these children are being kidnapped off the streets. And I have documentation that an organization known as the Finders out of Washington, D.C., has since the early 1960s been actively involved in kidnapping children off the street. Okay. Now, unfortunately, as a result of one of some of my research, I learned through a, a U.S. Customs Treasury Department report that the finders is a CIA covert operation. So what, what, yeah. why do they want these kids? What do the they do? The kids are auctioned off. Uh, I talked to uh, my, some, one of my sources told me he's attend, attended six auctions where kids were being auctioned off. He was one, part of the network. And for, uh, there were as few as six and as many as 36 children that were auctioned off. They were each auctioned off for up to $50,000 each. Uh, the children are ages two to 21, boys and girls. They put a, a, a label, a, a number around their neck, uh, tie a string around their neck and put a, a card with a number on it. They bid, they put them up on the stage, they bid on the number. The kids come out, they put them in an airplane. Uh, there's one base about, there's an air, uh, a small field about 50 miles out of Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where some of the auctions are taking place. Put them on an airplane, kids leave, they disappear. They, they, then the kids are all doped up, of course. They put them in campers. The kids are, once they're in the camper, they dope them up, they're sleeping. Uh, the police stop and they say, my kid's asleep, leave them alone, and all that sort of thing. And they use these kids for sex slaves, they use them for body parts, uh, and they use them for their sacrifices. We live in a sick, sick world, Megan. Very sick. The Hollywood Reporter has joined us. What's up, Mike? You're muted, Megan. Yeah. I did it. It's me. This, there you go. This show. Are we yes, I... Maybe I don't think I've muted. Maybe in the beginning of each episode, everyone in the chat <laughs> needs to make a bet on who is going to Absolutely. Do the <laughs> it'll, it'll be me most of the time. I promise that. <laughs> I uh, don't know. No, I won my, the last 
<laughs> Mike, I don't know if you were, uh, I don't know if you were lurking out there earlier, bro, but uh, we were, we gave you a hat tip. Thank you so much for the Gunderson uh, video that you Mike. put out on Twitter. Go follow Mike, the Hollywood Reporter on Twitter. You'll love his threads. Amazing. That's how I met. That's how I got into this. It's all because of Mike. That's why I'm involved with Megan, with oh Danielle in the chat, with Sean, with <laughs> Sylvia, like all our team here. Um, we're all together because of Mike. So thank yeah, you, Mike. Everyone say love hi you, bro. to Mike. We love you, Mike. Hollywood Reporter. Uh, and also we do uh, a space. We started our first one last Tuesday. So we're doing a space. That was really Tuesday good too. Night. Oh my gosh, that was thank so good, it Megan. Was, yeah. It was really, it was actually really good. awesome. We posted yeah. the recording. So if anyone missed it, you can go back and watch. It's on Mike's page. So great opportunity to go watch it and hit the like button. Um, also notifications because he is constantly putting out like, bombs for real although i will say that was the first comment i saw in the chat I was like any lawyers in the chat like what, what kind of comment is that whoever wrote that yeah, yeah what's that supposed to mean and of course it's leave it to call. mike i'll call you after <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh Good we need stuff. lawyers so he's not wrong we do we need no i'll tell you what we need lawyers that actually will do their job and have a set of balls that's what we need right now we need intestinal we need right. testicular fortitude from some lawyers out there. Someone that's actually going to take the money and then use the money for what they're supposed to. Because what we're finding right now, and I, we've, you can watch Rescue the Fosters. We have plenty of parents that have given a lot of money to these guys and nothing gets done. They just run with the money. So, yeah. So if you're, the other thing we need, we need whistleblowers. If you're inside any of these organizations. NECMAC, you're in, in uh, foster care, the adoption industry, churches. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, and, working on, I'm working on a potential NECMAC. Okay, so, good. Sounds let's good. Just put that out. Let's pray. Everyone pray that the person has enough Absolutely. courage to move forward. Absolutely. Uh, because they're an old uh, figure in it. They're Excellent. Oh, that's, that's good mm -hmm. news. Good news. So, guys, again, um, quite a few over there. Go ahead, drop some comments and questions. And I we're going to get to good old that. boys system. Good old boys. Yep. That's, that's that was who Sean. I'm yeah, dealing with here. Yep. That's who mm -hmm. was down there. And then that's. I mean, we brought up that before, and again, we keep teasing. We don't mean to, but it just keeps coming up, and we're trying to get to it. But the whole, and I hate to be graphic, but the whole head situation. Let's just, you know, state the obvious. It's not easy, but, uh, you know, the whole head situation, the placement, it being found in Vero, my mm -hmm. family moving to Vero uh, in correlation to, you know, this in compared to this good old boy system, their patterns, their, you know, as well as obviously the Masons. We talk about that a lot. And, right. and what's behind a lot of this is is the Masons. And how um, weird but, is that, Megan, that you guys moved to Vero Beach? where the head was found like i that would be the, the last place what? the head of yeah what? the head of that's that's exactly <laughs> we don't know yeah. because to me i mean i grew up two of my dad's best friends and i would play with their kids growing up were known ex-drug traffickers and we were told suddenly when i was in college that one of them disappeared and his wife and his kids you know they were i, I think that the wife knew obviously but you know told the kids and all of us that he just went missing 
oh how mm-hmm. ironic when i say it. that he went missing but really we found out like a decade later that he had been in federal prison the entire time the other one got in some trouble and he now lives in costa rica and can't come back and you know i grew up with his daughter but we would grow up in these houses with like you know the main living room we're playing in. it's got all the heads and you know stuffed animals yeah. everywhere the hunt games and trips mm-hmm. elevators and you know i literally when you're then you don't think about it and growing up when you get to college and your 2030s i'll say you're like wait a second like i was literally <laughs> playing with like drug mm-hmm. trafficking kids like was i one of them too like yeah. you know we had a guy that lived on the back of the island that my parents currently live on and i grew i went to uh, high school with his son and uh I mean, it was known. My dad, I would go home and be like, dad, his, do you know that his father has a plane, like a water plane that he lands at the house, like right across the street behind the canal and he's bringing in Coke. Like, and it was like, oh yeah, everyone, you know, same as the Cindy McCain Epstein comment when I asked him that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So bizarre. Yeah. This is the number one crime stopper in America. And he, eh, we don't talk about that. But then, no, Megan, now you have to show up to this event and we need you to smile. And uh, this is for this cause. And uh, yeah, just do yep. it because, you know, you're so lucky to have all Just this. tilt your head and smile. Yeah. 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 Sick. All right. Let's get to the last Gundy video here and then we'll go ahead and get your questions and comments. Please. There's lots of you out there. I would love to get some questions. I, I Don't you love the interaction? That's what this show is really... I- meant to be we wanted it interactive so we want everybody we want your opinions like do you even if you disagree with us if you disagree on what we're discussing let us know that's okay i I will preface that i would love i said this in one of the other shows i would love to be wrong about all of this like absolutely about all of it about my gut um Mm -hmm. about what we're questioning but you know and i knew it would take a bit to warm up but i am so happy to see everyone interacting and you know we'll definitely make some more time in the in the further shows if you guys interact more we'll make more time for that for sure thank you all very very much for that so megan this next clip is gundy talking about the reagan administration um, which i found interesting because if you look down in the bottom left corner here we have president ronald reagan holding little megan you're probably what two years old there three years old something like that um and then also Okay, and that's the and then that's also her profile picture over there on on X too. So, um, so I thought that was interesting when I found this clip. I was like, well, I'll be darned. Here comes the Reagan administration, and that's the picture Megan has for her profile. So let's see what Gunn has to say. Talk about the the case that you had um, discovered where they were bringing kids into the White House. Uh, you're talking about the Jeff Gannon case. Um, well, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, uh, they were shipping in during the Reagan administration. I believe that's, you called that oh, you're the talking Franklin about, cover-up. Okay, wait, okay. You're talking about the Franklin, Franklin cover-up. Yeah, talk about the Franklin cover-up. Well, in my travels, quote, end of quote, uh, because of my work and the fact that I've gone public with it, as I told you a few moments ago, and as we discussed, people come to me with a lot of information. So as a result, I've been involved in a number of very sensitive investigations. And the Franklin cover-up is one of those investigations. And the Franklin cover-up, there was a savings and loan in Omaha that was catering to the minorities. <clears throat> it was being operated by a fellow named Larry King, a black man, who was high up in the Republican Party, not Larry King Live, of course. Right. And he was a, they had a, like a $40 million shortage. The FBI and the IRS raided him uh, because of the shortage. 
uh, and there was publicity in the newspaper, and 80 children came forward as a result of this picture that appeared in the newspaper of Larry King and said, Mommy, that man molested me, okay? And as a result of that, that initiated the investigation. Uh, and uh, once, uh, and I was called in the late 1980s to be actively involved in, along with the former state senator John DeCamp, who's a very good friend of mine. And he has yep. a book out called The Franklin Cover, which goes into detail of this. And uh, we found out that the children were being taken, many of the children were being taken out of uh, foster homes, orphanages, and Boys Town at that time. I don't know what, if this happened recently. So they're getting these kids out of uh, orphanages and, and foster homes, Boys Town, and what were they doing? Ah. They, were, they were driving them from Omaha to Sioux City, Iowa, 184 miles away, placing them in private jets, flying to Washington, D.C. for sex orgies, and, yeah. and with politicians and congressmen, senators in Washington, D.C. at Larry King's uh, mansion. Preach, okay. Preach, yeah. Andy. Now, right. what about, wasn't it two years ago, Megan? I forgot his name. Oh, it just escaped me. He was in a wheelchair, politician, young guy. He was in there only for like two years, and they got him out because he started talking about the wild orgies that were going on in Washington, D.C. Yeah. with children. Yeah. I'm horrible with names, but I do remember that, actually. I forgot his name. Somebody um, help us out in the chat, please. Yeah, please, in the chat. And there's, you know, I want to, there's, I just scribbled down a bunch of things. So bear with me, guys, because they're, yep. they're all pretty prevalent. Um, I do want to point out a bigger question that we'll get into down the line and all of this, but um, the fact of just keeping in perspective, another question when we're looking at all this is, is the National Center a nonprofit or is it a government agency fronting as a nonprofit? And that bypasses a lot of legalities, a lot of oversight, a lot of accountability, you know, all of that. So please just everyone keep that in mind. Especially the fact that every day we talk about who redefining who our modern child predators are. Um, we know the statistics, you know, within law enforcement, politics, uh, social workers, foster, you know, homes, all of that. He brings, he mentions outright foster homes. Sure where does. They're taken from. Um, Megan, again, real quick, real quick. Correlating so to the finders, what their desire was. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but. I wanted to brush up on my I wanted to brush up on my vocabulary terms a little today. So when he said adjunct, I know what adjunct means, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I haven't read the definition in a while, so I read it, and I'll be darned if it doesn't say it's a supplemental yeah. thing. Yeah, isn't that odd? So how, why would NECMEC be supplemental? If it's a nonprofit, because they're operating, and that's what we see. It's probably easier to answer within CPS because that's what we're seeing. These are not government entities that are handling case plans and handling this stuff. It's the state that is initially taking children, and then they are passing it off to contracted businesses or organizations. So that's who's really doing this, and then that's where we see the the loopholes with like then they perjure themselves but then the state says oh we well, can only go off of what we're told from these people so it's not our fault and then when the state's doing that and the social workers or and these organizations and businesses are doing this then the judges say oh i can only go off of what i'm told in court okay so we're seeing how the the buck is passed the loopholes there's mm -hmm. no accountability they have they have done this very well and it is all now taking these concepts and these agendas and initiatives and making them now on an in-your-face, in-plain-sight, with your freaking money, CPS. 
but we're protecting your children and, and families. I mean, families aren't even a part of this. I don't think that people really no, realize that the, the focus and the obsession with save the children. It's all about the children. It's da, da, da. Well, the whole root of children is their biological family, sure. is their roots of origin. Okay, so that's you, it. You can't have one without the other. It, it's ridiculous, I mean, it, that claim. It's idiotic. It's, it is it idiotic. Is. You are breaking children from the get-go if you are negating where they come from and who they come from. And we've already done that with God in a lot of this. So let's, yeah, let's at least try to preserve uh, biological mothers and fathers. So, so real quick, over in the in the foxhole chat, Chops, it's Madison Cawthorn, the guy that was in the wheelchair. That yes, it was him. Okay, thank, thank you, you Chops. And then, yes, you. see, I love the chat, and and we have yeah. a great chat. A curious Patriot, my good friend over there, said um, he was bringing up Kathy O'Brien was during the Reagan years. Also, she she had yes. talked some plenty and about that's those. She comes yeah. out about you know we're looking at in 1984, Reagan you know declares the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. She talks about Senator Byrd. Be her handler sure and her purchaser being in charge, put in charge and given an office in Congress and Capitol Hill to oversee the creation of the National Center to be the front for the deeper child trafficking within our country and, and wherever else it can get to. But it, originally, that's what it was. And she's very, you know, straightforward about that, as well as people. I bring it up a lot and I need I just haven't had a second to go back and dig uh, to find it again. I used to have all the screenshots and everything. But the Reagan adoption initiative, people are not really paying attention to. And that was really where, um, you know, I know we love Reagan and all this stuff. Again, I'll be the jerk. But this adoption incentive and, and initiative that he started really was what positioned children as animals. Um, basically, like we rehome animals through the Humane Society and we take them from abused, neglected situations. We put them in custody. We adopt them out. You pay a fee. We put up their pictures as ads, you know, and, and really, you know, that's what we're doing with our children these days. But uh, his initiative really put it uh, in that context without people really realizing. And the whole messaging behind his initiative was, you know, come get a child. <clears throat> if it doesn't work out, then, you know, bring them back. It's probably, it's most likely the child's fault and you can, you can pick out a new one basically. So, and I'm and along, very, but I'm along very, those lines, Gunderson brought up how they were tagging the kids, right? They had a, just a, a name tag on them. Well, yeah, technology is advanced. Now they're just doing it on the internet. They're still being yeah. tagged. Yeah. It's just a, yeah. it's a better technology and more efficient. Yeah. And when you go, like, especially through private adoption agencies, that's really, uh, that's the most horrific arena that we're seeing. Uh, there are literally organizations, I forget, uh, something, uh, Hearts in, in California and in LA, there's big uh, sites that literally have ads for children, but no one sees it like that because it's, oh, it's an option where how we have to feed our own egos, right? And our own uh, needs. So we don't look at that part of it. But I did want to comment on a couple other things before I lose my train of thought on what he had to say. Um, you know, the Franklin scandal was huge. Uh, you know, this whole conspiracy theory thing and calling people conspiracy theorists and stuff. I really wish that we would be more diligent about that and more careful because 
And a lot of these incidences were actually shaming and invalidating victims and survivors when we say that. I don't think, you know, we want to be all PC and human rights and, you know, all of this sensitive, hypersensitive to everybody and everything. But there's people flagrantly going around, I mean, disgustingly declaring conspiracy theory on everything. And at this point, you look like the idiot. I'm just going to say that out loud because you are denying uh, children, you're, you're denying victims and survivors. And in these situations, the majority is children that we're freaking talking about. Same thing when the National Center blames runaways uh, for the 88 to 92% of trafficking that comes out of the foster care system. First of all, they wouldn't be running away if it was so wonderful. And how are you going to blame victims that are targeted on the streets and trafficked? That's because they ran away. Okay. Like, and then we should just, that's, that's just the issue. And we don't need to do anything else about it. So, um, I went off a little bit on that, but the finders, you know, I really want people to look into that. I think it's very important. He did bring up the CIA aspect. We know that from the declassified uh, uh, records from several, a couple years ago. Um, we, I've, I've gone over this before. The finders is a big thing that I talk about and bring in. Um, there's many people that have done huge digs and, and a lot of exposures and a lot of information about that. And I really encourage everyone to go look into that stuff. Um, also, uh, I wanted to say he was talking about Washington, D.C. He's talking about the warehouse. He's talking, like you said, about the, the you know, um, tags around their necks and this warehouse in Washington, D.C. Well, it's also interesting that, and uh, we'll have to ask Darla, Gina, remind me, we'll have to ask Darla to pull those for us. But the records of Bill Collins, who was the other boss of John Walsh. So we're talking about John Walsh's bosses tonight, I guess, is that we didn't mean to. Is that the theme? Uh, so, so Bill Collins was another executive or, you know, above my father through the Diplomat Hotel. And his wife, his ex-wife, actually came out months after the Finders, called, uh, the Finders members were arrested in Jacksonville and uh, with, the, with the six kids. And she came out actually stating that you know, she had divorced Bill Collins because he was molesting her son, John, uh, and that throughout the relationship, there have been several instances where, one, they were in the car together and he picked her up and there was a photographic, you know, art, they love to disguise it in art, right, a uh, book of, you know, younger nude males and he kind of like felt her out with that one, right? He used it to kind of feel her out and say, oh, I didn't know that was back there. And, oh, someone left it in the hotel, a guest. Isn't that horrible? You know, when she wasn't, it was like, what the heck is this? Um, but the real thing here also is that uh, in a fight that they had been having an argument, I guess a box had gotten knocked off the dresser and out of it fell Polaroids uh, with naked children on bearskin rugs with like, you know, wallpaper or background looking, uh, you know, setting that they were in. And that's, you know, it was very, it was correlated to the finders cult. They looked into it about the finders cult or many people brought it up, I guess I should say. But the point here is that this was 1987. So my father is definitely lobbying for legislation. He's in the national center doing all of this. And they went to him about this issue of his ex-boss, Bill Collins. And we have it on record. Again, Darla can pull it. Uh, it states that 
when John was asked, you know, about Bill Collins and this this situation, he his reply was, "Don't worry about Bill Collins." So there's you know there's that. No um, words. And then and then lastly, I wanted to bring up uh, Larry King. He brings up Larry King. So I did. If you go on my Twitter, you can type in Larry King. I guess we did see tonight because of some of the documents with James Campbell. I had taken the time and highlighted and gone through mm -hmm. for everyone tonight. Um, and I did post those uh, about a week or two ago mm -hmm. um, on X. And when we went to pull them tonight, they are nowhere to be found. Uh, so I apologize about that. But what I wanted to say is if you go on my page and you put in Larry King, uh, you know, that's another big name to look into, especially if you want to know the origins or deeper aspects of this. Uh, Larry King was essentially an Epstein before Epstein. Uh, you need to look into little, uh, what is it, North North Fox Island uh, that has big correlations that then go into what we see with Epstein. Um, but if you look into Larry King and, and North Fox Island, uh, that's we could do a whole show or series on on that whole thing. And that was already going on before Epstein, before any of this. It was going on, um, you know, during Franklin and, and all those times. And he was pimping out and, and doing a lot of bad stuff and, and a lot of it in the public eye that he got away with. Um, so I highly encourage everyone to go look into Larry King. And again, uh, River Ranch was brought up in some of the James Campbell right. testimony that we read tonight. And uh, we know that ranches are a big place where uh, mm -hmm. child trafficking happens as well. I Let me ask you real quick, Megan, with Larry King, before we get off of that. Um, so is there any correlation with him and Epstein at some point? I mean, did, did Larry King like groom him to be what Epstein became? I mean, is, do we know that or no? I don't know much about Larry King. Um, to be honest, I, to, to answer that kind of a question, I would have to go back to my dig. It's been a couple months. I mean, I do these exposures and you know, it's in the moment I'm getting the stuff. I keep it in a file and then I expose it later or in the moment, as you know, sometimes, um, I don't want to answer that without remembering, uh, specifically if anyone does know in the chat and can answer before me, please do. I don't, I'm not, I don't have to know. I, I am far from knowing it all. But, uh, but I did do a, an extent, I did a pretty good exposure on Larry King and that he was the setup basically, or a, or a great example prior to Epstein of what was going on. Um, again, it's late. I haven't thought about it in months, but I, I'm more than happy to go back and break that down I mean, for if, people. If anything, he was a prototype. I mean, he was just, yeah, was the groundwork was already was laid and that. yeah. He was doing it just as flagrantly, if not more, um, and, and it was a precursor. You know, it's like we see the finders. It's like we see uh, uh, Virginia Tan uh, creating Children's Home Society, and that was where she made adoption, child, you know, child trafficking into this adoption, guys. Uh, and, you know, ironically, now we see, like, the ones involved in taking my children. What, is, what are they named? Children's Home Society is still ex in existence they're involved in taking my children and many others but you know this is virginia tan and, and going back to those that would also correlate to things like getting into margaret sanger and dr kinsey and and all of the big just going to bring sanger's ideology. name into it yep yep yeah yeah i mean this is an ideology and people and isn't sanger sanger was the one that hillary was like that was like her idol so she was yeah, one of the greatest it, it women of the you know, 20th century. Planned Parenthood. Yeah, Planned Parenthood, mm -hmm. abortion, and it takes a village. <laughs>
It does not take a freaking village. That's also no, finder's cult. That's also yeah. finder's cult. They were raising their children in a community environment where the children were quote unquote weaned from the mothers. I was very much brought up that way. Well, I've heard it said their mother ripped and weaned and erased. Most people would say that, you know, it takes a village would be like communism, right? Or socialism. I disagree. It's yeah. a cult. Yeah. It's yeah. more cultish than it is yeah. a, some kind of, you know, uh, structure for a society to, to operate in. Some kind of it government takes, structure. It a village just led more way towards all the NGOs. Mm -hmm. Take it takes a village into Africa, you know, Oprah. Take, you know, it takes a village into Malawi, Madonna. Take it takes a village, you know, to Haiti, Laura Silsby. You know, take it everywhere and you can get away with a lot of crap. And they're doing it here in America. Yes. Everyone repeats that programmed dialogue you've been given. It takes a village. It takes no, it doesn't. It takes a community that supports and believes in nuclear biological families and supporting mm -hmm. and making sure that everyone's thriving that's the only communal aspect of this. that's the only institution that builds a society as a family it's god and family that's it it, yeah. it works every single time if it's absent it fails it's it's a yeah. miserable we, failure we know that we yeah. know that and you know to to see where our system is and you know again i always say like i was young during all these times when these things are being established and everything but you know, I can't imagine, you know, what our youth and, and my children, when they grow up and everything, if we don't do something about this, because to see how literally inverted the, the, you know, approach is to this issue is really wild. I mean, to inverted, what a great word and put them uh, in a home yeah. with strangers, that, but, but it's because is, of stranger danger. And I, I mean, <laughs> that is such a great word inverted that's exactly what it is inverted it's, it's look look at the shiny object and it's really the other yeah. side of the ball it's sick yeah. uh so i got a couple man bring that up wait real quick gino i'm gonna yeah. bring this up before we get into this because i don't want to forget and i don't mm -hmm. want to do it all at the end because i got enough at the end but um everyone november 28th this tuesday um you can go on x and find the links on my page or on their page directly but women against registry um, they are, I'm actually honored to be asked to, uh, lead their fundraiser coming up on Tuesday night. So, um, everyone, if you are interested in, um, you know, hearing about abolishing the sex offender registry, I know it sounds crazy guys, doesn't it? But that might give you more incentive to also maybe show up and find out what we're talking about, because this is again about truly protecting children this is about not taking the you know my my buddy and in legislation that you know the red meat terms and you know get the the stuff that people just want to hear and is is kitschy but you know really to be looking at this the majority i mean to me i'll just give a little insight to me i always believe that the sex offender registry was like the pedophile registry i just assumed that it was a registry for pedophiles, right? I didn't even think about like the actual term itself, sex offender registry. Okay, well, that means a lot more crimes or a lot more situations, I should say, uh, than just pedophiles, right? And um, are we really even understanding because we've just been given this societal narrative, you know, thing of just don't even entertain pedophiles, not saying you should entertain pedophiles, but like don't <laughs> entertain pedophiles, 
this is what they are. They do not belong in society. And no one's debating that. This is actually the, why I'm loving this situation right now and this topic and what's going to happen on Tuesday night. Because it's not about like normalizing or being okay with pedophilia or pedophilic disorder actually is what it is if we want to get real about this. Um, and we need to be understanding that more. We need to not just you know, blatantly say they should all die. And it's not to say that we care either. It's that we need to understand, right? We need to understand sure. what that is. But furthermore, um, you know, to, to have said that is what we need to be looking at is, is this registry, how many pedophiles are actually on this registry? I mean, what's the percentage? And the fact that the registry, we can't even get those figures and Women Against Registry have requested and through great contacts and very serious nature um, have, have tried to get those statistics, which are hidden, but yet they have how many black, how many white, you know, mm -hmm. like all these other demographics broken down on it. And, you know, for a lot of it, it's, you know, we know the judicial system. We know that there can be huge faults in that. Again, I'm not making excuses, but the biggest thing here is that is the registry actually protecting children? Is it actually effective, right? This is what we're asking about the National Center. No one's saying like, oh, you should be for pedophiles. Oh, you, why are you against, you know, mm -hmm. saving kids and keeping them from exploitation? We're actually the ones who will stand up and are okay to be wrong. We're okay for you to get mad at us. And I mean, heck, Laura Loomer tweeted out this morning, retweeted, and we got a bunch over of over a million now on there talking a bunch of crap about me. So luckily I grew up in media and I know the truth. So <laughs> we've got that and God's on my side. But no, but Megan, you're bringing up a great point. Then give us the stats. Prove yeah. your prove why you should exist. Why why you should be doing what you're doing. Let's just see the statistics. Right. And, it's not and, hard. And women Against Registry, I highly encourage everyone to go check them out on X. I highly encourage everyone to follow them. And even if you think this is whack and crazy, just listen to what they have to say. Um, and, and you know, again, it's not normalizing or okaying any of it. And, and we're not actually even talking. Uh, the majority of it is not even dealing with pedophiles at this point. But yet, John Walsh and the National Center put it out as, you know, this pedophile registry, essentially. I mean, again, I'll admit that's what I thought it was. Um, so again, and that goes back to the like Nambla narrative about how mm -hmm. it's put out on my life before I'm even a year old. I mean, I was a girl, I was a baby. Like there was no reason why that would be true. Like, honestly, and my dad's fine saying it in front of the DOJ in a big old speech in 2019, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, I was hit out on an Island for a year or more, but I mean, we don't necessarily know. It never made sense to me why Nambla would put a hit out on my life before mm -hmm. I was even a year old. But if we also look at, you know, potentials of how Adam went missing, then maybe you would be paranoid about someone taking your new child. <laughs> That's a great point. But you don't want yeah. the public to know who that might be. That's or a really good point. Affiliated with. And so you're in this position, so you make it a big pedophile group, and then you get credit for it. Um, Megan, I got to say, tonight's show, it must be divinely like being orchestrated because you have had so many great things that have led into a segue. And you were talking about the registry, and I was like, you know, there's one more video I want to play, and it's this one about the se child sex abusers registry, going back with Oprah and your dad, when your dad oh. was kind of... 
promote. And I'm like, does the kid like it if the abuser's good? Yeah. This was back on America's Most Wanted, and you know, apparently this is when Oprah went before Congress. I actually remember this. Oprah went before Congress, and then your dad, you know, he was interviewing her and saying what a, you know, basically what a great job she was doing by, by coming out and saying she had been abused, and now she wanted to to give something back. Uh, so let's go ahead and watch this because I think it ties right in perfectly with what you were discussing. Last year, there were more than two and a half million cases of child abuse reported in this country, and that number rises every year. In order to prey on children, abusers have to get near children. That makes a lot of sense. And you know what? We make it really easy for them. Did you know that you can't rub down a sweaty horse at any racetrack in the U.S. without an FBI background check? But yet, you can be a convicted child molester or child murderer and get a job at a daycare center yeah. in 44 states. You can never imagine what it's like to be an abused child unless you've been there yourself. Last week, the country heard from a woman who's been there, Oprah Winfrey. So today I'm here speaking out on behalf of children, the children who wish to be heard but whose cries, whose wishes, whose hopes often, I believe, fall upon deaf or inattentive ears. Last Tuesday, Oprah Winfrey testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee for a bill which would create a national registry of convicted child sex abusers. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that angers me more than to hear of a child who's been abused, assaulted, or raped, or murdered by someone who had previous convictions for child abuse was able to plea bargain, released, and came out to molest and murder somebody else's child. That's what happened to four-year-old Angelica Mina. Police say Michael Howarth raped and murdered Angelica in his Chicago apartment, just 10 feet from where Angelica lived with her mother. Howarth was on the streets after serving only seven years of a 15-year sentence for two counts of kidnapping and child rape. I wept for that child that I never knew, Angelica. I wept for her because I realized that her muffled cries never reached her mother, who was just on the other side of the apartment, as her four-year-old was being strangled by a repeated, convicted child molester. Oprah says Angelica's horrible death shocked her into action. The talk show host startled her audience five years ago by disclosing the abuse she suffered as a child. Now she says she's tired of just talking about the problem of child abuse. For years I'd done shows about it and talked about it and encouraged other people to do things about it and I recognized I was one of those people who was too just paying lip service. Oprah's legislation calls for a national computer registry of convicted sex offenders so daycare centers can run background checks on prospective employees. Six states already have such a system. And to get a hug so they're saying that it's oh. caregivers. Florida set up its registry in 1985 after a daycare worker was convicted of 14 counts of sexual abuse. Now, all prospective daycare workers must agree to a background and fingerprint check. Last year, we processed over 90,000 uh, such uh, applicant fingerprint cards for caregivers in the state of Florida, and we found uh, on the average about a 10% uh, figure uh, of those who, who applied had some sort of criminal uh, arrest in their background. Those checks kept 9,000 convicted offenders out of daycare jobs, but few who applied were sex offenders, police say, because they know of the checks. I believe that the message that the state of Florida is sending out to 
people who molest children or abuse children is that we have a system in place that's not going to allow them to enter into our buildings, that we have a way to screen them out, and by virtue of, of this particular screening process, they don't even get into the front door. Since the death of my son Adam 10 years ago, I've been fighting for legislation to protect kids. Getting the FBI to list missing kids in its computer was a major victory. I was proud to join Oprah on her new initiative to protect our children from sex. Oh, Mitch McConnell's there. We did a guy yep. in America's Most Wanted Hello, by the name Sienna of Teddy Antirine. He had been convicted of molestation in Colorado in 1975. Who did he guys. work with? Kids. He was a volunteer. He was a Boy Scout assistant. He was a big brother. After the hearings, I spoke with Oprah. Surprisingly, she told me she was nervous in her new role as a child advocate. Well, interestingly enough, talking to millions of people every day, I never get nervous, but I was a little nervous at first. Uh, a lot of people today talked about your courage as, as an abused person, mm -hmm. as an abused child coming forward. I just wanted to say personally, it takes a lot of courage to take it farther than that. And right. you can be a very loud, strong voice well, for children. You proved it today. I hope to be. I exactly. To be. I was tired, Our you know, John, of just talking about it. And I'm proud of myself that I did something. Absolutely. Oprah says oh she God. can't get this bill passed okay. alone. And I know how true that is. We usually ask you to pick up the phone if you've seen a fugitive. I know that's a rare event for most of you. But everyone can get involved in Oprah's fight to keep sex offenders away from Big our brother. kids. So write to your senator and your congressman. Let them know how you feel. Or call our hotline for information on how to do it. There's I just want to show I just want to show this picture again just for I don't know I just felt it was necessary at this moment. <laughs> just a reminder just yeah. just observing the past a little bit. Um, I've got three words for for our good friend Oprah John of God. John of remember God. him remember that guy yes. yeah. Yeah. One of her good friends. I, I know him well. I actually knew about him first, not because of Oprah, but in my exposures about five years ago, of five to six years ago, if not more, of Marina Ambravich. Um, but I do want to point out with Oprah, you know, repeating this and claiming her abuse and everything, who abused her? She never articulates. And also, when you are abused like that, aren't you statistically more likely to abuse or you know there is that possibility mm -hmm. i don't want to like mm -hmm. put that on people but um because the opposite can happen as well and i can speak firsthand for that from that um but i did want to point out a couple things and this is going back to what we'll be talking about tuesday night and again please everyone go you can register over there um it will be a closed event it's like a fireside chat we're doing they brought in an amazing person to do q a um and it'll be it'll be a great night so I wanted to point this out about, uh, you know, this whole reoffending, and she kept saying this reoffenders, and they're more likely, and all this stuff because they've done this before. All of this stuff, including my father at the end there, this is all predictive programming. This is all getting you to be okay with these new control tactics, more data, more registries, more all this kind of stuff and be okay with what they're saying, right? So what we have to look at, for example, is the fact that we know that 95% of sex crimes are by someone with no prior, no, no priors at all, 95%, okay? So that leaves like what the other 5% is is what they're actually claiming is the biggest thing. Minus, we also yeah, saw them there doing what I said is, how is this marketed? This was marketed as a uh, for children, right? A pedophile registry to protect children. It wasn't just 
sex offenders of any type now have to register on this, you know. Um, and also, there are a couple other statistics. Uh, a big point of this is that 93% of child sex abuse is actually proven to be from a family member or a close friend. So this, by doing this, it is actually gatekeeping the real issue that affects most of our country in these situations or what so true. The and, and the truth and reality of these situations are. So you're saying, you know, putting this all out when we know 93% is from a family, same thing with murder or missing or anything. We know it's most likely and John Walsh himself quotes this, but then we're supposed to negate it when it comes to him, I guess, you know, rules for thee, not for me. Um, and then the 95% of sex crimes are actually by someone with no prior uh, record and no prior history of doing so. So this has really become like a public health issue. This has become, you know, how are the families of these people affected? Mm -hmm. um, the children of these people, how does that affect them? We're not, again, excusing issues. And the registry is very vocal about the fact, like I am with CPS, that if there are real issues of pedophilia or of neglect and abuse, Granted, it needs help and reform, but we have a judicial system. I mean, those are crimes. That's not like this is now it's like, what are we? This is a civil thing we're talking about now. This is a civil action of a registry. These are, you know, we're the people saying you need to go register this. We're backed by government for it. But these are, you know, essentially that. And so is NCMEC. So is CPS. Um, and, you know, that's just that, I guess, is, is my point there. But also, lastly, it's ironic because this whole thing is around daycare workers they keep bringing up. So they're even again pointing out saying these are the pedophiles. You know, they're saying that the people that want to touch children or want to do these kinds of things, you know, are the ones that are going to put themselves closest to children. But then we don't want to believe that it's teachers and social workers and law enforcement and judges and politicians and and NGOs and and all these kinds of things. So Again, they're not making sense <laughs> to me. Zero. Please correct me no. if I'm wrong in the chat. Please no, zero sense. Zero it. sense. Um, but this leads into another thing that we're going to talk about briefly on Tuesday night. And, and I think it's a big thing that some people are aware of, but not a lot of people are aware of, which is pre-crime and shadow prisons. And this is a huge issue in America um, where they, for example, with pedophilia, when someone has served their time, which again, we're not okaying it, but logistics and the law are the law, right? You are sentenced to a certain amount of time. And when you serve that time, you are let out, you know, you have probation, you have whatever you're going to do. But what's happening now is that when pedophiles serve their time or people with pedophilic disorder serve their time, when they're about to get out, what they're doing is using the mental health system, DSM-5 and 4, which is killing people all over through CPS, through you know the prison system, through mental health industry, all of it. Um, but they are using that to then say, well, this person, because of the testing or the responses or whatever, is uh you know we see that they might reoffend they might reoffend so we need to hold them indefinitely so now we're having these you know pre-crime you know things going on and they're being held in shadow prisons and so you know that's a big thing that people don't know and maybe you hate pedophiles but also that is setting a precedent that can be applied to other crimes that again, with our corrupt judicial system, we know many people are falsely accused, 
we know many things are not, you know, you know, delineated the way they should be and, and different issues within that. So I did want to bring that up. I don't want to go on a tangent about it because we're going to talk about it Tuesday night, but you know, if you're interested in that, it's pre-crime, it's shadow prisons, please look into that. You know, I always bring up minority report, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all that if people are old enough to remember that. But it's ironic Tom Cruise is, you know, in that movie, his son actually goes missing too. He loses or not missing, <laughs> he loses his son and then he gets into this whole pre crime stuff, which again is the precedent that he's setting uh for children to be taken across this country now through my case. Uh, Mm -hmm. behind closed doors he's literally pulling a jesse smollett behind closed doors made up a whole fake scenario using his own family so that he could set precedent to quote unquote take children based on any potential future adverse event deemed there's that potential word again my case I'm not screaming for just my kids. And I'm not just screaming because we need to end CPS. I'm not just screaming because from my perspective, it's trafficking. That's that's not what this is anymore. You can't say mm-hmm. that anymore. So uh, to any of us. So we Megan, when I when I first met you, you were you were talking about the predictive programming and mm-hmm. and this potential word. And I would have never caught that, honestly. That would have went right over my head. And when you first started talking about that, I didn't fully understand it. It took me a little while to see it in action. But it's everywhere. It is. It's just so pervasive in our culture right now, where they, it's this predictive programming, and then it's like presenting fear porn to everybody. Here, take another spoon, take some more. Yep. Your daily fear porn, and it, there's potential danger is out there in everything. It's part of this massive propaganda uh, arm of the government, and it's not. I mean, I I think it's a world thing. It's not just here in America. This is like a no, you know, World Economic distracts- Forum and all these other organizations. Yeah. And it also distracts from real solutions and real issues like we're seeing, you know, 93% of these sex issues with children are not this stranger danger that the National Mm -hmm. Center and John Walsh put out. It's family issues. It's, It's within the family, especially with this whole MAPS thing I've talked about in the past and how they're framing it that it's like family. And why is James Campbell meeting my dad at 12 and 13 and living in their house? So weird. I mean, it's all a very similar mindset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sergeant Sparky, good friend over there in Foxville, said, I have questions about milk carton missing kids. So do we. <laughs> well, catalogs came before. So, That's and right. The finders, the finders called a, the catalog is what they would refer to it as. And mm-hmm. it's very eerie and disgusting to me that uh, I will – I mean, that's a phrase that my father said nonstop. He would get complimented about us and he would say, yeah, you know, it's like I I ordered them right out of a catalog. Man, really? Yeah, like literally (laughs) that. And I always thought that was really weird. Like even as a child, Mm -hmm. like what? mean like like you order um you know he's trying to say they're so perfect you know sure i know what he means but but you know to say to choose it's like i ordered them out of a catalog and you know you're going into sears department store to the toy section which you had to pass the catalog desk you know to get into and um you know sears and jc penny and stuff do have evidence and you know alleged situations of using the catalogs for trafficking um, and again, we're talking about how things have advanced, right? So that would make sense for the time. And if 
milk cartons and they're being put out instead of missing try looking at them as ads if you will if that helps that's what it is it's just what uh, gunderson was talking about with the tags it's yeah. just another way to get more efficient at it uh and, mcbray and, in know, the chat who do you like you put the name of the child and you have to put the contact to get the child right who would that contact oh, be if they're on the national center i'm just asking just wondering questions here so mcbray had a couple couple of questions over there in rumble and um one of them was uh, earlier when we were talking about sears i had asked actually asked you this before now the technology in 1981 they had surveillance cameras in 81 um now whether that sears store and the hollywood mall actually was equipped with them or not that i don't know um do you know anything about that megan i don't i i have heard in passing that you know about him on video but i've never in the reality of the case or within my parents or anything well that doesn't mean anything but you know <laughs> i i haven't seen anything about evidence as far as videoing of him uh you know being there yeah there's nothing in the documents that we've read um justice for adam anything on there there's nothing that says they've subpoenaed you know any footage there's no questioning by any detectives about the footage. saying that that, that that was Adam that, I mean, I'm going to be that bold. What I is know. actually saying I... that that was Adam that day? There's, there's what, no what proof. There's happened to Adam the night before and they got a little blur. Who know? you know, well, who, I mean, there's so many possibilities. I'm not going to start, you know, conjecture there, but who's to say, especially when everyone that's shown a photo of him that's there that day does not recognize him. So, right. There's no direct eyewitness account, I mean, that I can see in any of the evidence. Zero. Like, it's just people speculating, I think I saw a child, I think I saw this happen. It's There's no one saying, I definitely saw this six-year-old boy with this ball cap on, you know, whatever, and this is what he looked like, and he had a tooth missing. Like, there's nothing that's so specific that you could say, oh, yeah, that has to be Adam. It has it's to very be vague. Very vague. They tried, I will say, just because we haven't gotten it to you yet, and oh, boy, will we? But I have found uh, later affidavits uh, from other people that were interviewed by Joe Matthews um, that, uh, how, how am I putting this? I didn't expect to bring this up. But uh, that if there was a false flag for our kitschy modern terms, uh, you know, that this stemmed from or that this was, there are affidavits that would lay out how that would have happened I'll, I'll just say that you know the sale hmm. the lamp we keep saying why does the lamp keep coming up why does the sale keep coming up uh you know what does a sale create it creates a lot of chaos and a lot more people at the mall that day you know things like that i was saying it because you were talking about the first-hand account and the, this gentleman mm -hmm. is talking about like oh i saw someone that you know took the hand of a boy but the guy the boy looked like he knew him and then he says, oh, I saw the hat that he was wearing, but it's not exactly the hat that Adam was wearing that day. You know, it's just, again, uh, not. It's all not over the place. place. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he goes the back other to question, the oh, sorry, that go day for something else, and there's no police there. There's no crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll refrain. We'll get into that one day. So. Uh, the other question was, uh, I'm a little bit behind on the show catching up, but I would like to know Megan and Gino's thoughts about Tim Ballard and his involvement in saving children. We we touched on it just a bit, but uh, Megan, are you a Tim Ballard fan? <laughs> I try <laughs> so to be everyone's fan. 
I'm the biggest cheerleader. But when you ain't doing right, I will be the first one. Um, okay. Well, you know, Tim Ballard, it's a very sensitive thing. We know that a lot of people in our circle, we've tried to keep quiet because we're here for the mission, not the drama and not mm-hmm. the online. Jeez, uh, people are gross online, dude. I The swearing and the name calling. I, anyways. Okay. Um, so Tim Ballard, I mean, it, people can go put him in on my Twitter page and see her X page and see, uh, some of my other commentary on it, but, uh, and also the TikTok where I went down on my birthday to turning point and, uh, to go introduce myself to these people face to face, not to be at the event, but to introduce myself to where these people, you know, to these people who would be there. Um, Dan Bongino, uh, Roger Stone, uh, you know, and then Tim Ballard as well and others. So, um, and, and you can see Tim's reaction mm-hmm. and also how he's pushed forward and away from me by the woman who has recently come out, at, you know, saying I was his assistant. I was horribly, you know, uh, what I, I can't remember her name right now. We had it the other day. Sorry, it's been a lot. But uh, so Tim Ballard. OK, so I want to love it. I want to love it. I don't love it. Haven't loved it. Uh, you know, sound of freedom. Never going to negate. That's that's the effed up part of all this and what they do Mm -hmm. it's the example you're never gonna say you know you're the jerk if you come out against sound of freedom uh you know who's gonna go against that but again what it did was it distracted everyone from the domestic child trafficking issue and every single person figure everyone is ignoring it everyone I'm not saying so. People that have favorite politicians or potential future uh, re-again presidents, all that kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about the people. I'm talking about the fact Mm -hmm. that they aren't talking about this. Okay, so everything's about international child trafficking, the border. By the way, where's the National Center for any of this? Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, so which, again, that'll be another I think on Tuesday on our uh, X spaces, we're going to talk about that uh, more in depth. Uh, regarding the National Center, Mike and I. But anyways, I'm I'm avoiding the question because it's late. It's been a long day. Sorry, Danielle, and thank you for asking. Um, you know, yeah, over 800 children go missing from foster care each year. Um, but yeah, so it distracted from that. Um, and also, I've had a real problem, and I bit my tongue with grace and waited for everyone mm-hmm. to start to realize because literally, oh, you are. And Tim Ballard, again, is that exact example of NCMEC prototype. He, Tim Ballard is doing the John Walsh, you know, precedent. John Walsh set this tone. We've watched, you know, people emulate it with the tone of his voice, with the black leather jackets, you know, whatever variation of this character that he is on TV. And, you know, and, and just all the stuff behind it. I'm trying to be short. But Tim Ballard, uh, it's unfortunate. Um, but I hope that people start to look at what this type of person is, that it's not just him doing it, and uh, also what type of organization, how it all happened, and uh, again, that it's it's not just him. He's a copycat, um, and yeah. it literally is the John Walsh playbook. So it is down to I'm down not... to the like women and everything. I mean, my dad was doing that mm-hmm. way worse than Tim Ballard. Uh, 
you know, he had mistresses with whole apartments and cars and everything that later then had to go actually to women's clinics, my father, uh, for protection and uh, to get help with filing restraining orders. We have one example of that with Brendy Blackburn. Uh, you can look it up, Women's Venice or Venice Women's Clinic. Uh, there's a Facebook article as well as online article, I'm not making it up. Uh, and as well as my parents' 10-year divorce proceeding where my mother uh, had restraining orders filed. So um, I know that he seems so nice, but also like people have seen him America's Most Wanted and black leather jacket and this tough, you know, we're talking about the worst crimes and all this kind of stuff. So why would that be weird to think that behind closed doors, maybe this guy has issues from trauma, from his upbringing and different things that he never healed. He got put in the spotlight um you know and maybe there is a side to him behind closed doors that people don't think about especially with all those burdens especially with the work that he did i mean i would think that, that would be very like not a surprise if people heard that um also the national center and what my father does you know you have to have an all-american look to your family you have to have a maintained marriage um and you know my parents haven't been married years i mean they're living in the same house not married it's and pseudo pseudo marriage is what it is. yeah well and that's another thing that people need to understand about celebrities and especially like celebrity couples and stuff my parents weren't like arranged through the agencies or anything like a lot of them are now but um and they tried to do with me but uh you know my parents definitely became that or you know kept that together again they had a 10-year divorce proceeding and then one day it was Dad's moving back in. We're back together. Everything's fine. You also can't so, justify against a spouse. I'm just going to bring up law fact. I yeah. don't know. So, Megan, you were very gracious with Tim Ballard. I'm not going to be so gracious. I he's am. a fraud. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. He's a, he's he's a, a fraud. And and ex CIA. There's there's the yeah. Mormon connections. The the Masonry connect. There's all kinds of very dark secrets. You can read all about it. Go to you know who does great threads in that. Mike, the Hollywood reporter, you go to his Twitter threads and he's got a whole bunch of stuff about Tim Ballard there. That's very yes. interesting. He's the one uh, that there's, there's... when I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. Uh, Tim, I agree. We knew... We yeah. said the minute that movie Sound of Freedom came out, we were all just like, oh boy, here we go. And But here's the thing. I, I said right from the get-go, you know what? We'll ride the wave. Let's let's I just ride the wave. It's we... I yeah. knew, I, I knew from the day it came out that he would be, it would be exposed. I just knew it. I, oh, yeah. the way God works, he lets these people come out in the light. They're arrogant. They're pompous. They got, they think they own, they got the world by the balls and what happens? They just start showing their true colors and, and the yeah. truth starts coming out and that's how it always is. And they start it backstabbing their own and talking about each other. And that's what's going on. And you're going to see Tim Ballard. I, it's too bad. It's too bad because our probably could have been a good, good organization that was actually doing good it things, but they bad. don't. Yeah. But they don't, and and that's sad. And and I'm sorry to say that, but that's what it is. It's the truth. He's a now, fraud. Look, I, I for a lot of this, and I'm still doing it to this day. Uh, you know, I bit my tongue on a lot of it just so that I, again, you know, I. It, People can call me crazy, whatever, but I will put it in a more spiritual context. I literally feel like I've been put in the enemy's camp my entire life. God has definitely protected me. And, uh, you know, I don't think people understand, like, even the breakdown of Tim's, you know, B 
behaviors and his ways and everything and the situations and how the you know the jumps that they did and how those all went down i mean it's there it's very accurate it's mm -hmm. very accurate if you're behind the scenes and people don't understand the difference between like behind the scenes and not too so there's there's tv and then there's the reality and everybody wants to think that these and if you're on a screen and even like on a stupid screen like this on a little podcast like don't trust us do your own digs do your own research that's what we're here for we're trying to provoke you to do some some digging and find out are they just are we just spitting you know information out that's not true i don't think we are i think we're going by the by the actual evidence and tim ballard we have plenty of information on tim ballard that he's a fraud and i got to tell you that as soon as i knew there was a cia connection <laughs> that was one of my first clues i'm like yeah. not that well, all cia is bad but also I, we see well it is and so we see <laughs> see i'll be the bold one now i guess we take turns um i mean it is like and when you prove that you're not then i'll say you're not that's fine but i mean it is and we've had a few whistleblowers come out that were good so and that we'll, well go that's with what that i was going to point out is that we yeah. do see the cia creep in all i mean it's it's what the like what do they call it the common denominator that isn't obvious but always somehow seems to be behind the scenes on all this uh let's see there's a hero complex in this country yes i, I mean like serious 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 i was muted and, Sorry, I was uh, muted. I was going to say Danielle and McBray were having a uh, conversation about e whether Adam even existed or died or whatever. We've had this conversation many times. I, I believe Adam existed. Yeah, he I'm was not actually there yet. a, a child. I'm not there yet. I'm this is in the. Uh... We haven't even done Brian Laundry and Gabby Petito were on. Yeah, I, that was a good well. one too. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone's like, oh my gosh, she's so gross. She's trying to bring in. Gabby Petito's father, he's so amazing. Okay, well, he moved to Vero Beach like literally months right before Gabby went missing. The same, out of the entire country, you move to the same small, tiny town. What a coincidence. Then your daughter goes missing, and then you are, then who's there for you? John Walsh, like, and then in the, t and then you make a nonprofit or a foundation in mm -hmm. your child's name. And then you've got a new mission and you need to collect more data and you need to promote Big Brother more because it's all for this, right? And because of that. So he definitely moved here right before, which is very weird. Um, we do know different things. I mean, I, that's a whole different show. And again, I tread lightly because I got enough heat on me. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I'll just say it that way. But uh, you know, the Brian Laundry thing is very weird. Uh, you know, again, a lot of similarity. There was a big search in, in the woods and stuff for Brian Laundry. His only his head was found. It was in rising and falling water, just like the canal with Adam. Uh, it boiled down to, you know, the coroner and whether they were honest or not, or whether they were doing their job or not. Um, and they also identified Brian off of his dental uh, records, too. So mm -hmm. it was very interesting to see that. Costco County, where it is, has an interesting background. The laundries and petitos themselves have an interesting background, um, as well as looking into the laundries. Uh, their career was uh, selling juicing machines which Indian River County as some of the largest citrus, hail, uh, you know, and other big uh, conglomerates, green packing. 
all of that is here. And so what um, the juicing company that they sell is uh, the juicers are made by FMC, which is food, chemicals and machinery. Uh, so they also make chemicals and they don't only make juicing machines, but they also make pill presses. Mm. So when we're talking about human drug mm -hmm. traffic, it's hand in hand um, and where they're, they were selling these um, as well as people can go. Uh, it's controversial, but people can go look at Callie Burgandy or Claire Walker's information about juicing and human remains and, and how that was done through citrus or oranges, which we know for those that, you know, follow Trump, he brings up the orange stuff a lot for a reason. He's not just orange. He brings up the oranges. <laughs> um, so Megan, what did your dad say about the case? Remember that was his, he came out pretty strong and bold. Right well, he said, I mean, it was very ironic because it was when he was taking my children doing all of this. So he has the, the capacity mm -hmm. to pretend like nothing's happen, uh, happening and go online and demand that or, you know, suggest which people were not happy with. I was very glad that they weren't. But basically telling Brian Laundrie that the best thing he could do is kill himself. Um, and he was calling them the dirty laundries. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting because he was calling them the dirty laundries while he was hiding his own dirty laundry, like literally at the same time. And then he's accusing like the laundries of covering crimes of like their son, which I have to stop after that. But uh, that's pretty hypocritical too. Mm -hmm. We'll just put it that way. Um, I watched my dad get a lot of people you know do favors a lot behind the scenes um but not for a daughter <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. okay i digress guys i'm getting slap happy okay um let's see there were some other ones that you were bringing up yeah about so, adam yeah like, so I, didn't mean to, I just yeah, didn't want to miss them. no no I that was good so yeah, so was Adam a real person? Did it really happen? Is this a false flag? Is it you know all these different things? We've went we've went through all these scenarios. I know you and I and, and even our group we've discussed this at length. And it isn't. It's I gotta say I'm I'm indecisive on a couple things. I'm still wondering if Adam Walsh is John Walsh's son. That's one of my biggest questions. That's that's my biggest one. Um, whether it's Campbell's kid, somebody else's kid. I don't know. I'm, I'm just very, that's one question I just really want to know. Um, I, and I do want to know what really happened that day because there's no security cameras. I'm glad you brought that up McBray earlier about the security cameras. There's no footage of this. So it's just, we're just going by a narrative that has been told a million times. It's hearsay. It's it, would like never, it would it's never, it would never, Hearsay would never hold up in the court of law, right? In a, in a, in a yeah, real would, court. It would never. It would never. Yeah. And that's actually something I'm going to say, which I've been trying to get to, but we've had a lot on our plate, is doing a comparative report actually between the Finder's Cult, Adam's case, my case, and CPS. Because the correlations, the exact patterns, the everything are really, really wild. And I would actually, you know, uh, Sylvia and I, you and I have talked about this so much. It's like, you know, they kept me in trauma and drama for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they thought I would break afterwards. So they wouldn't have had to keep it going too long. And, um, and I just lost my train of thought. 
<laughs> well, the connections between CPS, how it all just kind of correlates oh, yeah. with each other. So, yeah. so I was, yes, thank you very much, Gino. Because I, when I have the time, or I kept saying again, not only who wrote these, but then I started like doing this. I'm like, wait a second. Again, that's my parents. That's it. So I've said many times in like a half sarcastic, you know, manner that we really need to look at my case to find out the truth of what happened to Adam. So, uh, you know, I just think that's a fun ha side note, but and, if and, anyone wants to. And I just want to add this for in case the audience hasn't thought about this and they probably have, but how ironic or how weird is it that you had your firstborn taken from you and it becomes this national case and a national outcry and it starts all these wonderful organizations, crime stoppers, new laws and legislation. And yet, you know the pain of a child being taken from you. We've seen the videos. I mean, they look so distraught. Sorry, that was a little sarcastic. Uh, I pulled so, a, I pulled a Gundy there. Sorry. So distraught. <laughs> so, sorry. so distraught. And, but yet, you you can go ahead and do that to your own daughter, and take four of her children, and that's okay. That's okay. Not not a worry. Just just go about your business, live your everyday life. That's, yeah. that's really the weird. The claims are still holding up, you know, the mm -hmm. claims are still clearly holding. Sorry, that was my sarcasm. Sorry. Uh, okay. No, I, I think it's really real, Gino. I, a lot of this, I mean, people could say, oh, evasive or anything like that, but sometimes we don't have the answers. And for a lot of this, we don't. And that's why we're talking about it. That's why we want to all talk about it so that we can, you know, as much as we can figure it out. But to, you know, again, see that correlation of all this being essentially based on hearsay and then to see the correlations with how they got away with, you know, the, right, you know, conspiring to kidnap and actually executing the kidnapping of my children. Um, so and you have to understand the what, finders cult, that's where they all went into was law enforcement, social teacher, da, hmm, da, da, yeah. da. they are in the finders cult did that's not right. end. They blended no. into society. That's exactly what happened. Operating. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're your, <laughs> they're in every occupation. They're everywhere. Uh, yeah, let me, so the things that are being promoted to us, how to raise your children now, all that kind of stuff is original is uh, origins many of them are you know related to this is a this is a good uh question from mcbray also uh was there ever a grave site uh there's a there's a like a marker on the ground so that's another weird thing where my dad always like refers to adam as that boy uh we've brought that up before and there's a couple interviews where my dad's like just going off about we have to get those remains we have to get those remains it's like wouldn't you be saying like i need my child's my remains? son yeah yeah my son um so he's so, like i had to get those remains so they kept his head on yeah. ice for like 20 some odd years some weird bizarre story and um and then they then my dad demanded it that was why it was also a big deal for Otis tool to be declared and close the case because then they could cremate uh adam's mm -hmm. head allegedly but there's no like urn i've never seen like an urn of ashes or anything where's that so we have a head we have a marker there's a marker in auburn new york where my dad's from i don't know why it's not down here uh <laughs> so much weirdness i i'm sorry i just 
every day it's so weird because i know the story pretty well now i mean i've read through the stuff and what but like there's always some new nuance that i'm like okay yeah wow i didn't think of that or i didn't know that that's a great like i never even thought about a burial site just because i assumed okay well you know they took the head and they turned it into you know ashes or something but yeah i didn't know it was on ice for that long um the dna that's oh i can't wait till we get in the actual evidence the evidence um that's gonna we be never some... even proved whether it was human blood oh my gosh <laughs> it's like so crazy it's just sorry, I... I just yelled that one at people oh my sorry. gosh i i would I love to i want to jump it's like i want to jump ahead and get to the evidence like like next week because it's so compelling when you look at it and you're like you've got to be kidding me like this is this is like like i said before clown world it's like clown world times two it's I mean, unreal how am I supposed to be about all this i would die if I. and you're the crazy one megan you're crazy yeah i mean i'm i'm so crazy um and why don't we ask people in the chat hey if you're still in the chat okay gino mcbray says i believe larry oh. king's in the epstein flight Locker. really I, I really want to verify that that was yeah. a thrown off question gino. okay i don't know yeah i was gonna say i don't rec i've been that through that list many times i do not remember larry being on there but that's interesting i'd like to look into but that for sure something that i wanted to make a point about and then that popped up and got us off track sorry oh geez i need to go to bed i guess um not really i need sleep i should say that um I woke up at 530 and, you know, all of the conspiracies, it says all of the conspiracies are claiming there are actually coming true. I don't, I do not believe there are any, I'm not sure. Okay. All of the conspiracies are in quotes. They are claiming because these the are, conspiracies are actually, is a yeah, CIA term. The conspiracy, the term conspiracy theory was created it, by it the was. CIA. It was. This is again, a distraction. You have to start understanding like, magic manipulation wordplay like warlock level stuff you guys like you have to really literally start to understand warlock levels and manipulation and the magic that they put yeah. on word curses word curses like, and then it word will curses. all make sense like it mm -hmm. won't even be difficult psyops everywhere oh that's what i was talking about i wanted to ask everyone in the chat if you want to make us like, what do you want to hear from us? Because it's so much, we can just go in order. We've got our thing, but Gina, you brought it up. Why don't we ask people like, let's, yeah. let's take a little inventory real quick. Yeah. Because well, we've done our shows and we have a whole bunch of people watching on rumble, but no one's chatting except a few of them here. But yeah, if you guys look, okay, how about this? Let's make it easy. Do you guys want to see the actual evidence of Adam's murder? Uh, and let's, that would be a one. Would you like to continue number two? What would be another good thing to look at, Megan, that, that might be out of order? Uh, well, we've got the whole scenario of the head, um, but that would kind of maybe go into evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, what about Otis Tool versus Dahmer versus, you know, the, the Henry suspect? Lucas, Henry we've got Lucas. that to pick apart. We've got, now I'm again off the cuff and slate, but we literally, there's 20 aspects. I can, uh, we can make a Twitter post too, if you want to go over there tomorrow and say what you want to choose. Um, but again, it, I wasn't getting that involved. Just if you have something that you're dying to hear, or you're like, why aren't they getting to that? Why aren't they covering this? Put it up in the chat and bring mm -hmm. it to our attention. Um, because again, it's, it is all over the place. It's a lot of information. We're trying to, you know, point out things because, you know, we're not here giving you information. We're not here as a podcast to, you know, just feed you information. We want exactly. to know what you think. We are all in this together. 
Um, PSYOPs everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and people should understand what a PSYOP is, not just from the like conspiracy theory mainstream be, you know, um, bastardizing of it. Uh, it's actually a very intricate uh, thing. I mean, what is happening to me now, what my parents are doing with the people behind them is psychological warfare, um, aside from like domestic terrorism, but it is uh, it is psychological warfare, hoping that I'll like unalive myself. And then John Walsh can mm -hmm. grab his chest, like I've said before, make like a new mental illness mother's registry or something and then target us all. Um, <laughs> But he's already doing that, so that's fine. So many, it's hard to break them apart and put them together. Am I missing anything in Rumble? I'm trying to catch up. Uh, police on body cam. With Gabby Patu said out loud, they were on a 1099 at the moment, meaning there was an independent contractor, private. No, well, that's another big deal. People aren't understanding what private policing are, especially with everything wanting to be privatized now. Like, you should not be for privatization of anything, especially CPS or law enforcement. Um, and that's what the sheriff falls under as well. If it's a private sheriff's department, then they do side jobs, just like pulling me over all under undercover in street clothes with my children out in the middle of nowhere to start this whole assault on april fool's day because they love their dates yeah they um, do and it's real like don't it's don't real. Knock it. oh don't birthdays yeah absolutely yep um okay and if you understand all the beliefs that they do like i was trained in then you know why um the police trafficked her uh yeah i mean Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've heard from people that, like, knew her before and stuff that she was being trafficked. And that was, like, I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just stating what I've been told. I don't have any proof of this. But that uh, that she was being trafficked in the whole van kind of thing was to, you know, get away from all of it. And that Brian had been raised in the cult. Uh, and that's why, you know, his notebook drawings were so dark and um, a lot of this stuff. Um, again, she was found, a lot of those bodies out in Moab were found <clears throat> by rising and falling water, you know, a lot of the same similar, which is also something we see with the famous missing kids cases. There's a lot of similar um, aspects to them, right? Like on a bike from a mall, da -da -da -da, on a paper route. Um, so Megan, not to change gears, but I, I, I yeah. wish I would have remembered I had uploaded the, because I loaded some of this stuff a few days ago. I do have a couple things from Michael Monahan, so John Monahan's son back in '96 when they were questioning him, and it's a very extensive, thorough. Uh, that's uh, actually a very good show to do. <laughs> I Sorry, have a Amy, couple. Cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Should, should I should I show the polygraph? This could take an hour to go through. <laughs> Sorry, I'm do being sarcastic. You want to tease only? Yeah. Okay, they only leave markers when there isn't yes. a body. Yes. What, oh, they, what does that mean? What do you mean? Because uh, the grave site we were talking about earlier, and you said there's. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but it's weird because, like, in the beginning of the pandemic, my mother emailed me this whole, like, email with a sketch from Italy of, like, a headstone that they were having made. Hmm. Uh, and it was going to be all carved out of marble. And there's a big, like, ISIS looking cherub with wings on top. And it's for them and adam hmm <laughs> i don't know i'm just living in it yeah but i was the i'm the crazy one to leave and want to take my kids and speak out about abuse page four has megan what's that mean mm. 
Page four on what, Mike? Tell us, help Mike. Us. Tell help us. us out, bro. I really want, I, I, if it was up to me, next week's show is the hard evidence, is the evidence that we have via the files. On the, I think that would be a, a, that's that's a lot of shows, actually. That's not just one show. But it's a lot of shows. There's a lot of that. There's a lot there. But I think that's really going to fascinate the viewers to see that what they didn't see on TV or hear in the news. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike found it. We've been hunting all day. Can oh, you let me click pull on that up. That? Yeah. Right. Yep. So Let's page four oh, has Megan Walsh's mom being interrogated with hypnosis. There you go. We've been okay. looking, you guys. That's what, I've read yes. through all these. And we're like, we can't remember what page, section, volume, year that. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. Okay, There's let me so let me get that. And it won't let me open the link, Mike. So I'm gonna have to copy it. Let's see if it works when I copy it. Yeah, copy and ah, mark. Come on. Oh gosh. We didn't even get into the, and, and some of the shows, I do want to pull uh, Willis Morgan's book, Frustrated Witness, because he did do a great job, even though I don't agree with his Dahmer mm -hmm. narrative, which is very hard to not agree with, because he swears on his life, and he was like in his 30s, he wasn't a kid, uh, that he did have an interaction with Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, but I even have theories on how Jeffrey Dahmer and Otis Tool and, and them could have been even involved. So right. especially finders are behind stuff. Right. I mean, and, Dahmer was in town. I mean, around that time, wasn't he? I mean, he, he was. Literally was that's, 20 that's, minutes that's, from the so, hey, Mike, go ahead and either, uh, you know what, email that to me, bud. That'll be a lot easier because it's not letting me uh, copy and paste it. So everyone in the chat, now you have the link. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't work, or at least it's not working for me. It just keeps saying error. Oh, so, like you when you click on it. Yeah, though? and then I even tried to copy and paste. But oh, if he yeah, if says, if he sends it error. to uh, yeah, if he sends it to my email, it'll work. Access denied. Uh -oh. <laughs> there you go. Oh. oh, what happened? Megan. Uh did her power go out? Or her Zoom? All right, hold on, everybody. I bet she ran out of power. Let's see. Hold on, everybody. Give me two minutes. We'll we'll get this back on track. Can everybody hear me? What is going on? Let's see if this works. Megan, are you there? What the heck was that? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Did your, did your battery run out or something? No, I'm or on just, my computer. I literally that was weird. Kicked out. I don't know. See, Did I say something? I, this is this is where it's always like this deep statey thing. I don't know. I hate that crap. There's just, no one watching. I don't. No one's cutting anyone off. This is conspiracy BS. Yep. yep. I hate people say that. I'm not buying into that. Nope. But I did just get kicked out. Okay. So, um, did you get access granted? Okay. So, okay. Let me see if this is. 
Okay, Mike, is this the one in a... I'm not sure what's going on with it. Okay, wait, Mike. Okay, is this the one? I think that everyone, I think everyone should wear their pajamas next Saturday night. <laughs> no, just, we'll have like an overnight party. Yeah! Okay, Mike, I think this is... Is this it? Because I'm not seeing... I don't want to put it up on the on the uh, screen in case this isn't what you wanted me to do. Okay, I don't know what I don't actually know what I'm looking at right here. So let me just make sure you I got the right thing. Okay, here we go. Now, okay, it just came through. That was something else, Mike. <laughs> All right, got it. Okay, good. You here we go. Sending me like songs the other night, and they were like, I don't know. What, I didn't know what that was, but okay, here we go. Excellent, fantastic. Mike's amazing. Great job, I don't know. How... Mike. Oh. Okay, page four, Tracing Adam's Footsteps. Okay, so this is the hypnosis report, apparently. Let me zoom in a little bit so you guys can see that better. Oops. Do it this way. Oh, great job, Mike. Thank you. There we go. Can you read that, Megan? Yeah, I can. Okay. Uh, at 6.30, August 18th, Reve Walsh met with detectives at the Hollywood Police Department to provide an in-depth interview regarding the activities of her and her son the day of his abduction. She stated she woke at 8 a.m., Adam woke at 8.30, John Walsh left for work at 9. Between 9 and 9.30, James Campbell arrived at the Walsh's residence and had breakfast with Revae and left at 10. I forgot to say something earlier that I did want to point out. Um, in the affidavits that we read and repeatedly, it's also stated that uh, you know, my mother wanted James to take Adam that day that he talks about the gym or if I'm reminding right. people of the last show and he talks about how he was trying to, you know, basically show my mother that she couldn't rely on him and, and he wasn't just, you know, her babysitter essentially, which is very much my mother. She treats everyone as some sort of service to her. Um, Let's see. She then left with Adam at 11 and went to St. Mark's Lutheran School at 502 North 28th Avenue, which is weird. When we moved to Vero, we lived on 28th Avenue. All right. In Hollywood to pay for. Sorry, that's weird. That is uh, weird. Yeah. Hollywood to pay for Adam's tuition. She said after parking the car, she took Adam into the church office, dropped off a check and left for the Hollywood Mall, again, Catholic school, by the way, um, arriving at approximately 12.30 p.m. In a subsequent statement on September 10th, she stated she arrived at the church approximately 12.20 before continuing to the mall where she arrived at 12.35. Earlier, recalling some of the events that followed while under hypnosis on July 31st, Reve Walsh said, and also, by the way, that my mother's birthday is July 24th, and Adam went missing on the 27th. So hmm. that's interesting. And they always have a three day gap. Uh, Reve Walsh said she parked her gray checker vehicle on the north side of Sears. They also kept the checker cab, and I grew up riding in it. So kind of weird. She personally, I'd get rid of the car, I'd get, I wouldn't move to the town. Sorry, that's where I'm coming from. She and Adam entered the store. Adam stayed in the toy department and she went to the lamp department. What's it going to say? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lamp department. What a guess. Informing Adam she would return in 10 minutes. In the course of detect in 10 minutes. There's the 10 minutes. 
In the course of detectives' in-depth interview, Ms. Walsh said she had left Adam in the toy department on previous occasions. He would never leave the store to look for her, and he was familiar with the store, having been there in excess of 100 times. Also in the hypnosis session on July 31st, Ms. Walsh said after making inquiry about the lamp with a Sears employee, she returned to the toy department approximately 10 minutes after she had left it and could not locate her son. She searched the entire department and adjacent departments before using a house phone to request Adam to be paged to return to the department store, which that's not the account in other areas. It says she went up to the people and asked them to call over the loudspeaker. Um, And they did call over the loudspeaker. And then my dad goes out sometimes and says that they never did. Shortly after Reve Walsh came across her mother-in-law, Jean Walsh, who was coincidentally shopping in Sears. Initially, Reve thought Adam might be with, have been with her. However, after learning he was not, she called the Hollywood Police Department at 155 to report Adam missing. During the hypnosis session, Ms. Walsh did not recall any suspicious people or activities surrounding her or her son and said her husband and James Campbell were the only ones who knew she was going to Sears that day. August 28th, police met with Jackie Wing, 54, of Hollywood, who was employed as a secretary at St. Mark's on July 27th when Reve Walsh hand-delivered a $90 tuition check signed by John Walsh. In this meeting, more than a month after the abduction, detectives asked Miss Wing for her best recollection, and she, scroll Gina, uh, thank you, sir, recalled Miss Walsh delivering the check by herself at approximately 10 or 10.30 a.m. Uh, Joanne Braun, a Sears employee working on the day of Adam's disappearance, recalled seeing a gray checker parked near the north entrance of the store between 11 and noon. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Braun also recalled seeing Reve Walsh entering Sears catalog department entrance with a child, presumably Adam. There, there it is. Yeah, presumably. According to Angelique Ganes, 17, 17, a part-time Sears lamp department employee also working that day at approximately 12:10, Mrs. Walsh inquired about a lamp that was on sale. Uh, Gannis recalled a relieving co-worker Betty Gutberlet at noon, noon waiting on Miss, Mrs. Walsh's five or 10 minutes later and Mrs. Walsh returning to the lamp department looking for her son at approximately 12:25. Jenny Rayner, 24, was also working at Sears on July 27th. She was operating the telephone switchboard and the public address system over which Adam Walsh was paged several times. She said at approximately 1225, she received a call from an in-house on which a woman requested her son, Adam, be paged to return to the department store. After instructing the woman to remain in the department, in the toy department, Ms. Rayner issued two pages without response. Rayner said she paged Adam again at 1240, received another call from the same woman requesting another page, and paged him again at 1. Uh, all without response. Sears employee Martha Grube said she relieved Rayner at 115 and continued to page Adam until 130. Both are late. So all these people saw a boy potentially. Well, they didn't, but like all these other people that came forward potentially saw a boy, but 
if there, he's being not there after 10 minutes, there's not people seeing him standing outside. There's not anyone coming forward saying, oh, we saw a little boy wandering around or, oh, mm-hmm. we just walked in. We saw somebody standing outside by himself, which is the claim uh, of how Otis picked him up. None of that. No, none of it. Um, both Arlene Salaba, Salaba, 48, and Aurora Delgada, 41, were working at Sears the day of the abduction and were approached by Mrs. Walsh on separate occasions, asking if they had seen her son. Salaba said between 12 and 12.30, Miss Walsh approached her, showed her a photograph of Adam, and Salaba told Walsh she had not seen him. Delgado said it was the same time frame in which Mrs. Walsh described Adam to her. Delgado said she had not seen him and then handed the house phone to Walsh to request to have Adam paged. Upon being informed of some inconsistencies in stated times, Mrs. Walsh said she may have been inaccurate in her estimates because she was not wearing her watch that day. Again, James Campbell, too. Um... On September 14th, Reve agreed to take a polygraph test, which she passed without signs of deception. That's probably enough for now. Anyway, we can we can get into that later, but there's, it's a long document. Thank you, Mike, for sending that over. We will definitely delve into the uh, hypnosis. Um, that was was that performed by Matthews? No. Or one of his cronies? Ordered, ordered by Matthews. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, that was for Danielle. Um, also, uh, up in the Foxhole chat, who owns CPS? The Pilled Whisperer said, who owns CPS? It's a corporation or isn't it? We actually discussed this a little bit earlier. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to read the other ones. I talk about it all day long. Go ahead, Gino. You're better at it than I am. You can explain it better. I'm not going to articulate it as well as you can. Uh, yeah, Sorry. It's a, yes, it's a corporation. We're all working for corporations. That's like yeah. a whole thing to get into. I don't mean to be like ignore the I, question, but I think of them. It is a civil entity. Go ahead. You, I, I think of them as a shell corporation, to be honest. Like, I feel like there, there's, there's taxpayer money adjunct. coming in. Yeah. There's, we go with the adjunct thing again. Adjunct. Yeah. So yes, it's technically, you know, says it's a government agency, but then you can also get, I mean, that gets into a debate too on what you believe, like, you know, state of Florida, is that yeah, the corporation, true. you know, into that kind of stuff. So there's technicalities to it, but yes, when you're making money and everything and you're under a corporate, you know, existence. And if, anyways, if you watch, if, if you watch, that question. No, it's just, if, you know, if you watch, yeah, she does talk about it all the time. If if you watch Rescue the Fosters with um, with us on Thursday nights and sometimes Tuesdays, Danielle yes. does a great job. Sylvia does a great job of um, the logistics of it all and how it operates, the inner workings of it. It is a little complicated. I want to say, that goes to it, say, I want to say something to mm-hmm. our team and and you know we have an amazing team behind us and or you know all together, but you know behind this this effort. And, you know, that's what we really want to do is everyone just in general always has their different areas of expertise and different things. And we want those people to come forward and we want those people to be heard. So, again, thank you. That was a great segue, actually, for that question. And Gino, thanks for bringing it up, because every Thursday night on Insight, uh, they do Gino and Sylvia, Danielle and KK. They do a wonderful show, Rescue the Fosters. And, uh, you know, Sylvia and Danielle are really the, um, 
the amazing people when it comes to uh, explaining all that and breaking it down. That's their one of their areas of expertise. Mine's corruption, so. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> it's all of it. All the above. Jeez, yeah. I didn't even like to watch scary movies. I Now I was like, there's enough scary in the world. All right. It's a PSYOP to start NCMEC so children could be tracked and trafficked. Okay, so thank you, Danielle. You know, Mike had sent me over a couple of documents about hypnosis, too. And I, I, I'd love to get into them. They're kind of long, so we'll have to do that on another show. But, you know, it's a pseudoscience, like we talked earlier. Like, hypnosis has no, has, should have no involvement in any investigation into a crime, especially a murder. Neither like, should psychics. And how is psychics exactly? Why in the world think if you really think about this, what even whether you believe in it, don't believe in it, objectively look at it and say, wait a minute, that same person that's doing the little watch in front of your eye or whatever he's using to put you in this trance state, if no one's if there's not an objective source in the room, if it's just some guy with a, with a chain and he's dangling, how do you know he's not programming you? How do you know he's not telling you what to remember? Like that's, this is all magic. It's like, it's, you can watch, look, I could, I could say a, a trigger word and I, you know, maybe when I was seven, I was on a magician stage and I could still quack like a duck every time, you know, someone says the word, you know, 10 or something. Right. And I quack like that. It's, that's how stupid it is. And we see that no, we watch, yeah. we've they, literally they watched this on TV our whole lives. And, and yet they're going to use that for evidence. Yeah, and polygraphs too, and, and four question polygraphs. Don't forget, psychics, four question polygraphs, and this. You know, it's a, it's a very foolproof approach, uh, for sure, for sure. Very scientific. Uh, <laughs> There's that Gunderson sarcasm again. Oh, I love it. I love sarcasm. It just it just doesn't work on Twitter very well, though. You ever notice that? It really doesn't, does it? I'm like, what? We're on Twitter, like obviously. <laughs> well all right well no one's really throwing any more questions out but um we've been on let's see we've we've went three hours eight minutes three hours and nine minutes yeah so well, you we, guys it's only gonna be an hour one doing? hour 2 <laughs> 30 goodbye everybody no <laughs> no we will be back Next Saturday, 11 p.m. I think we're back next Saturday. Are, are you available, Megan? I think I am. Um, let's see. Next Saturday. What is next Saturday's date? We're in December next week, right? Tomorrow. Clubbing, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine clubbing at my age. Oh, my gosh. I, oh, my God. I, I don't even I like. imagine clubbing at any age. I, I don't even like going to the, I don't even like going to like Kroger shopping. Like I can't even imagine being in a club. Like someone was just asking me, they're like, oh yeah, you want to go to a concert? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you couldn't pay me enough money to go to a concert. I want nothing to do with any crowds. No thanks. And I'm not that grumpy old guy yet. Maybe I'm heading there. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. People are rude too. Everywhere you go, they're just rude. It's just rude. Everything. And so are people on X. So it's fine. <laughs> the world is getting that way. So, so it's just part of, you just have to be okay with it. Keep so where, mind. where's your views at right now on the tweet? Is it over a million in 24 hours? I don't know. 
It's got to be close. I cannot believe it. This was so random. It was. I Let's tell the audience. Tell the audience what happened. Child trafficking every single day, and mm -hmm. don't get. And I write something random today that's like literally just an account of something that happened. And we're almost at whatever. What did you say, Gino? I couldn't hear you. Well, I was just going to say, it is ironic. Every day you're putting a great information out. Not just good information, like great information. And it's all sauce. It's all real. It's all legit. And then you post kind of a random thing about DeSantis and some gay dudes and <laughs> whatever. Oh, well, today we did go yeah. from, uh, I never look at this, but it's really weird. 34.6 uh, about. Uh, Thousand okay. followers I was at this morning. We're now at thirty-five point two. Wow! In one day, um, nice. Yeah. I think the okay. views Mike Mike was saying before we started the show was like nine hundred and sixty thousand or something like that. What is? Uh, your the what? views the views from you know just people looking oh, at it, it was okay, like it was so over a million. Laura Loomer's retweet is at a hundred and six thousand views. And mine is at, and that was the retweet she did of my post. Post activity. We have hit one. Can you, wait, hang on. I, here, I'm going to pull it up. I, I might as well just pull, let's pull it, it up won't here. Do my phone. We hit one million. That's weird. That's, that's absolutely insane. Here we go. Here it is on the screen. Yep. So is she referring to DeSantis? Laura Loomer reposted Megan's tweet and. Megan's original tweet. Is it tweet anymore? I don't even know what we call it. A post, I guess, whatever. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Well, I will say I was called about eight months about ago. Impression. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, eight months ago, asking if I knew of any interested buyer for a videotape of an alleged interracial homosexual sex tape starring the presidential candidate himself. I didn't say anything because in the world I come from, this isn't unusual. It's not my style, and I suggested... They tried Disney, LOL. <laughs> I love that part. Uh, but since we, but since we see this now, it makes me wonder what else is or has gone on. Don't forget, Sturmont's sheriff uh, passed card key and the nature of the investigation on him at the time of his suicide, just making observations. Let's see. I really wish everyone would just be normal. And when we are, and when are these elections going to be over so we can move on with life reality? Shake my head to be honest. And then that was, uh, you were referring to this one, George from George, uh, breaking bombshell evidence. Ron DeSantis's campaign has been hiring prostitutes and using them at campaign events, <clears throat> excuse me, to entertain donors and investors is about to be unleashed by Laura Loomer. So, you know, what's funny, Megan, I remember when I first met you and Mike, <clears throat> I was a big DeSantis supporter, right? I was like, man, this guy's really on fire and he's, He's, <laughs> I feel so embarrassed now. It's like, I fell for it. I did. I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. I, I was down in Florida just before I met you. I was actually in Florida. My aunt lived there, my great aunt. I was visiting her. She loved DeSantis, was raving about what all the good things he was doing. She was like 93, 94. And um, I'm like, yeah, you guys are in a great state. I'm, I, I'll move down here, you know, whatever. And then I meet you guys like two or three months later, and you're like, um, well, I hate to break the news. <laughs> it's just like... You were so right, though. You guys are, like, so on the mark. You and Mike. I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh, he is a douchebag. <laughs> like, I didn't know Well, he that. was, like, literally coming to Vero promoting the first vaccination station for the elderly <laughs> at our fairgrounds, like, in the dirt. 
And I actually went there, not when he was there, but I actually did stand out front with a, with several of our other, uh, my other mothers, and we held signs to try to, you know, maybe warn people not to. It was literally like watching people drive into the con concentration camp. <laughs> and, like, it was all the old people from the beach. So it was, like, all the rich, you know, nasties, and they're, like, literally flicking us off and stuff. It was oh my it wasn't hilarious. It was very sad. But my point there was that there was DeSantis, like, promoting it. You know, kids were still having to wear masks. A lot of the stuff that was put out nationally as happening was not what was going on actually in Florida. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me start questioning. And then I was very hopeful, you know, when my children went missing, you know, that obviously who I'm supposed to – actually who essentially owns your children once they're taken into custody, which is false imprisonment, by the way, and it is making them wards of the state. Wards so of the they're state, absolutely. Wards. Um, and then they're put in a system and who technically owns the children when that happens is your governor. So, um, I went directly to the governor. A lot of people across this country took time and called the governor's office and have been very gracious and simply asked for meetings with us. The media department called us. They acted, you know, grabbed their chest. Oh my gosh, no, we didn't know. Send this stuff right over so we can cover it. We can address it. And then ghost, we have recordings of that. We have documents mm -hmm. of everything so i have emails my favorite one was my favorite email was when i said they they uh sent a generic thing back or something he said sorry we don't respond to uh people from not from florida like not civilians of florida or something like that and i'm like so children don't matter like that it, it does yeah, like, and, and so I'm because i'm from a different state that doesn't matter contact me if you're out of florida <laughs> so, i'm running for president so but I can't, I can't and you know what if you can't address my main fundamental issue i would say this about anyone if you can't handle issues in your own state how are you going to run a darn country so um you know there's there's just too much for me around desantis Okay, McBray uh, is uh, said. So did you guys see the exposure of a supposed sex offender offense on Tim Ballard, or is this a fake? Uh, the I mean, what? Look, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. The the sex offender, the the whole story with Tim Ballard, the recent uh, allegations against him. Uh, she said, "Did you guys see the exposure of a supposed sex offender offense on Tim Ballard?" There, there's not just one. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's, there's several. One. Yeah. There there is a recent one that came out. Like I said, I'm going to refer you to, to Mike, the Hollywood reporter, right here in the in the chat. Go to his Twitter. He's always got Tim information his, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's his gang. If and you Mike, want to know the breakdown or corporate status or any absolutely. of the inner workings of CPS, contact Rescue the Fosters on yep. X, uh, as well as uh, Dean Nicole here. Yeah, you can. You can find yeah. it from Rescue the Fosters page. Sylvia Beachy and Danielle Holt. In fact, you know, now that I think about it, Megan, since I met you and Mike, you've ruined a lot of things for me. <laughs> I've ru yeah, sorry. Yeah. There's that. I was just, there's so many times, Mike, I'll, I'll be talking to Mike on the phone and he's like, and I'm like, yeah, this one. He's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to follow him. And I'm like, what? He's it's, bad, too? Like, come on. Mike is, is cracking up right now because literally this is what I did to him. And then, so you're saying that to me and then I'm the one saying it to him on the phone. I'm like, Mike. Stop. You've, Just stop. Not everyone, stop this. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh my but, gosh. Crap, because you might be probably right. <laughs> Mike's right over, I'm going to say 95% of the time, he's been right. I mean, like, oh and he might be right on the on the other 5%. I just don't know yet. <laughs> it's like, 
It's ridiculous. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate. Again, go back to that Cindy McCain, you know, quote. We all yeah. knew about it. What were we going to do about it? And that's something that they all very much subscribe to. Uh, and a lot of people are subscribing to that across America regarding CPS and domestic child trafficking. So are we going to be a Cindy McCain and elite nasties? <laughs> or are we actually going to be the people of America and uh, start using our freedom of speech and, uh, you know, the money that we give these people to take our kids and to control us? And actually, oh, do something about oh Mike, it. Mike gave you an answer and it's not a thread in Twitter. It says Ballard sucks. So that. That answers there. it for you. you all need nice to and know. simple. Yeah. Nice and simple. Yeah, love you, Mike. No, everyone, seriously, go over. Ballard does suck. It, it's really, it, it's sad. And also, just you know, I guess from my background and stuff, and also I'm big into like watching body language and like demeanors and you know stuff like that. And I mean, how how Tim Ballard has gotten away with that kind of stuff is a wild. I thing. know. I mean, the guy is a psychopath. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's the first time you've heard me say that. So there. Hey, here, I'm, I'm going to. Mike, I should have did this a while back. Here you go, everybody. The Hollywood ah. Reporter at Mike Wolfpack 100. Mike, you need a better uh, tag than that at Mike. You're cooler than that. Come on. <laughs> it should be at the Hollywood Reporter, shouldn't off it? Of there. We got to get that Wolfpack off yeah. of there. No infiltrators. No, okay. <laughs> okay. Great account, great threads over there. You'll love it. Mike, yeah, we, awesome. we started doing true Hollywood stories. We did like two or three shows together, but then Mike got real busy and some other things were going on. And those were fun. I, I loved doing that because we were starting to get ready to expose a lot of stuff going on in Hollywood. So if you don't know, Mike well, was a 25-year veteran in Hollywood. Yeah. Successful yeah. shows well, you know, and show left a successful called... career. Sorry, bud. I'm so sorry. No, no you're fine. Um, but I was going to make a sarcastic comment that the show is called Reexamined. So, um, you know, we can definitely <laughs> make Mike come on and uh, move into some of that content once we start mm -hmm. getting over, getting this Adam stuff out of the way. Um, yeah, Mike's amazing. Everyone go follow. Go follow Rescue the Fosters. Everyone go on Insight. On Thursday nights, watch Rescue the Fosters with these amazing, amazing people. You're blessed to have these people taking the time to give you the information. Um, Tuesday nights, uh, 9 o'clock on X Spaces is the Hollywood Reporter and myself uh, talking about who is really trafficking our American children and families. Here is Rescue the Fosters. Thank you, Gino. Rescue children keep families together. Look at beautiful oh, KK and yeah. Sylvia. So cute. There's so Sylvia. Cute. There's KK. Amazing stories. Amazing work. Everyone get your butts over there and support them. Get involved. Uh, donate if you can. Uh, all that good stuff. These are amazing efforts and, and real efforts being made. And we aren't flashy, guys. So, And we're not know. looking... We're not clickbait. Let me put that out there. We're not looking to be, hmm, I got to be careful. We're not looking to be labeled, titled with any, <laughs> got to be careful. I don't want to, we're just people trying to do good yeah. things and save families um, and get Megan's children back where they should be. Um, and that that's our goal. Our objective is to save the American family from this evil 
empire that is stealing children out of loving parents' homes. It's not a, most of the abductions. Look, Megan gave you stats earlier. If you didn't, if you just joined us, rewind, go back to the beginning. She was giving you some stats about what's actually going on. It's not what they're telling you. It's not all these abusive parents. They just hate their kids and they're beating them into submission. And all. It's not that. I used to believe that. I had to get red-pilled on that. I didn't know any of this stuff until about two and a half years ago. So, you know, you, but once you know and you see it, you need to be proactive. You need to do something. And it doesn't mean you have to have a podcast or a space or whatever. If, if you're good at that, great, do it. But you just need to be active no, in your don't community. don't do that. Don't <laughs> do it. I love you, Gino. But now I'm that's a good, okay. Okay, go it ahead. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. That's what I was, that's where I was heading. If you are interested in starting a chapter of Protect American Families within your county, uh, we would be more than happy to talk to you about that and support you through it. Um, we will again be launching the website at the end of December. Uh, we will have a lot of resources that are literal click action resources and, and that actions for you to actually do ways to educate and, and actually start, you know, approaching your community about this. Um, you know, what you can do if you have a skill or different things that you want, you know, think would be a value to this, you know, mission uh, or to these issues all that kind of stuff. We've got some fun uh, campaigns coming up and, and things for the nation to participate in. So we're really excited about that. But if you would like to uh, start or are interested in starting a chapter of Protect American Families in your local community or county, please reach out to any of us. Uh, all Anyone else that you reach out to will let me know. Um, and we will add you when we start getting, uh, I'm gonna do a little kind of blurp, you know, not training, but uh, kind of like a video series, if you will, for people that are interested in what they can start doing. Um, and then we'll move from there uh, with, you know, uh, chapter presidents and things like that. So right. if anyone's interested, please let us know. Um, again, uh, Tuesday night spaces, Twitter, I'm going to be on Wednesdays. I'll have to look on my X space for my Wednesday show. That's Wednesdays at noon. Uh, I don't have the information in front of me, like for links and stuff, but, um, you can find me on that. Uh, also, if you appreciate the work that we do here and want to, uh, you know, support us as an angel supporter. Now, um, obviously, when Protect American Families comes out officially, we will have ways for people to donate regularly or donate with tax deduction and different things like that. Right now, we are raising funds for those initial costs. We had amazing people, what, uh, two mm -hmm. weeks ago, uh, you know, raise the funds for the paperwork to establish the nonprofit. And we are doing this every step of the way with the people. We can't do this without your support. We're not going to federal funding. We're not doing that. We want support of the people. So um, before that comes out, if you would like to support uh, us and the work that we do, as well as the fight that I'm in, uh, because I have to fight every day in this, um, please feel free to go to uh, PayPal at uh, family. We need to change that at the bottom, Gina. I don't think that it's working. Uh, family Farm and Faith spelled out A-N-D. So family farm and faith at gmail.com. Also Cash App is, uh, you know, the dollar sign M Walsh Consulting. 
Um, and so we will be obviously switching all that over, but now we do need the initial uh, donations uh, to keep you know, developing this and to establish it for everybody and to keep me able to do that. So, right. And um, we need Megan's voice. Megan's, Megan's case is so critical. That, that's why we're going over the whole Adam thing right now. I mean, this, this is the thing that busts the whole thing. This cripples the pyramid. It topples the pyramid. And it's so important. And no one will touch it with a 10-foot pole. We've tried media. We've tried politicians. We've tried every avenue that, you know, it's a grassroots thing, unfortunately. No one else will pick That's this stuff what up. God has planned, though, she's, you know? She's, and that. we know God's going to do something fantastic. Yeah. I know that. I, I've been preaching that from the beginning. I know this is a spiritual no, thing I, first. But I'm not going to be generic about that. I want to be a little, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because it went off in a little thing. I want to say that, you know, this is not, God is doing, I'm, the why I brought up God, and if you don't believe any, whatever, it's fine. Right, we're not, like, yeah, we're not. But like, you, to believe. you know, um, what was that? I said, we're not telling them what to believe. Oh, just, yeah. No, no. This it's is right, our opinion. Yeah. But we are Christians and, and people love God if you aren't even. So, um, but I really think that the point in the universe, God, whatever vernacular you want to use or what you subscribe to, um, you know, I think that the big point here is that it is going to come down to the people. This isn't going to end until the people do something about it. And the bigger picture of that is because this is something that people should be getting riled up under God about. Like, no one should be okay with this. And what we're all learning is, and the big lesson out of this is our power, of getting our power back, of getting our grace and our truth and our power back and understanding what that means and how do we work together to do that as a society and not have to hand our power over to, you know, our neighbors that are the same as you and I because they wear a different outfit or had different training, you know, um, so, or went into a different career. You couldn't pay me to be a judge. So, anyway. <laughs> no. And what kind of people are the people that choose different positions in this world? Let's just, you know, it's a little deeper. So. Now, but I want to reiterate what I was saying about you, Megan. Like, Mike and I have talked about this a million times that Megan's case blows the whole thing open. I didn't understand. When I first got involved with this, I knew none of this. I didn't know anything about Megan. I didn't even know Megan existed. I didn't know John Walsh had a daughter. And I was a John Walsh fan. Grew up watching John Walsh my whole life. I remember when his show debuted. Me and my friends had cases of beer. And we were we would, every Sunday, we would get them at my buddy Chris's house. And we would sit there, 20 of us. And we'd, yeah, let's get the bad guys. And, you know, we just loved it. Ate it up. Uh, so when I found this out, I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, are you kidding me? I fell for this the whole time? But, you know, that's that's what this is about. Exposure. I believe we're in this great time of exposure. Like, I think a lot of things that's... are coming to light. And I, children, I think children are the crux of what's going to bring the whole Babylonian system down. I call it the Babylonian system. So this, this whole temple that they've built is coming down. And it's yeah. built on the backs of children, which is the disgusting, sick part of this. And this is the part I'm going to, again, I this ticks me off, but the Patriot movement, and I was part of it, <clears throat> they talked about children. We're going we're gonna to rescue children. We're going in for children. We're going to do all this stuff for children. That's all we heard for four years. And I haven't seen that. I mean, I, there's a few. That, yeah, of course, there's a few Patriots out there doing good work and, and doing some. Not enough. Not enough. And especially men. If, you, if there's not enough men in this movement, I can tell you that. 
Men should be, I thought men were providers and protectors. I don't know where we're at. I, I mean, come on guys, oh, like so <laughs> we need you. We really do. And I love men and, you know, we, I know there's, that sounds weird, but you know, we, I appreciate <laughs> that. And we need, we need good men. You know, that was another thing that I'm mad about and I haven't had time to look into it. So I'm speaking very off the cuff. Maybe people can be mad, but another thing to look at is the rise of this father's rights movement and what the intentions are behind it. And it's not saying that the fathers involved right. in it aren't well-intended because right. most of them are, and they have valid reasons and, and child support goes into title four and what we all talk about and, and how this is operating. So it's not to negate any of that. But what's happening is that when you look at the timing and the approach and who's involved and how it's panning out, it's literally just creating, you know, we've got division with race, we've got political division, we've got everything. So how can we divide and create division between mothers and fathers? And that just makes our children more susceptible. So part of the Better Ways campaign and Protect American Families, and we will be working on projects for that by bringing in you know, real expert, real people that have experience, have firsthand knowledge as well as education in this, um, but to, you know, really give some kind of, you know, help and support within co-parenting um, and what that looks like in a healthy situation and, you know, just- And, and lobbying for better, hashtag better ways. Yes. We need to, if people can start using hashtag better ways when we're talking about CPS stuff, that would really be a big deal. Um, you know, it covers a lot of aspects of it and it really gets to the point. There are simply better ways for us to be handling these situations and when they're actually real. We're up into the 70s and 80% of uh, removals of children being unfounded uh, at this point. And that's nothing but trauma to especially the children and the families. So, uh, so there's better ways. Just Sorry, you're muted. Just like uh, on is... November 28th, go to Women Against yes. Registry on X. Go register for their event. Please look at their information. It's it is a little hard, you know, when you've been programmed a certain way, or you know, you hate, you know, people that touch children like I do and stuff. Mm -hmm. It is. You know, uh, it, you have to take a second and then you have to say, no, I really want to see what this is about because their intention is to truly, you know, uh, get rid of things that are hurting people and to really bring forward ways to actually address uh, the issues. It's just hard numbers. When you when you throw the numbers out, I mean, it's easy to gloss over numbers because we see numbers all the time, right? I mean, there's there's fake stats all over the place. These are hard, real numbers. I mean, you can yeah. you can check them out and these numbers are failure <laughs> utter failure yeah. 70 to 80 percent is not a b b plus <laughs> this we're talking like complete failure an f like and they are like gunderson said failing right? like, businesses that did... are trading and profiting off of our children so, so you have to say, market. you have to say it was designed. Yeah. And as Sylvia says it all the time and Danielle does too. And I know you've said it too, that it's designed this way. It was built this way. That's what Gunderson was talking about. It's not, it was yeah. never meant to rescue children and okay. save families and reunification. None of that. It was about making a whole bunch of money, billions and billions of dollars funding almost pretty much all 50 states. Okay. And that's why none of the governors will touch it. I don't care if they have an R or a D after the name. It doesn't matter. It's, a it's huge funding threat. their budgets. It. it is. You did it. 
know, Sick. here we are. Sick stuff. So, I think I would like to know how the Dahmer thing, how does he come into this and scientific evidence that they so-called have? They have, uh, for mm. Dahmer, they have no scientific mm -hmm. evidence. Um, for the whole thing, they don't have any scientific evidence. Um, and how the Dahmer thing, well, we kind of touched on it. Uh, you can look at Justice, uh, Frustrated yeah. Witnesses in the book, justiceforadam.com is Willis Morgan is the gentleman. Uh, he has done amazing work. He risked a lot to get and fought for uh, with, with um, Greeland. Uh, Greeland's another one to look. Broward Bulldog or Brevard. Is it Broward Bulldog? Broward Bulldog is Miami. Um Greeland, but uh, Willis Morgan was the one who says that he, you know, spoke with and had an encounter with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer that day in the mall. And of course, we know through the documents and stuff that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer did live and work uh, nearby to the mall. And um, his, you know, my father had written a letter to the sheriff asking him to look further into Dahmer. Uh, Dahmer's father said he thought he did it. Um, but there's, there's a lot behind that. Again, no one is looking into Dahmer's past. Like you guys, mm -hmm. everything that affects you later in life happened. The trauma happened between the age of zero and seven, like the, the things that come up later. And so we have to be looking at family upbringings and not to take kids, but to understand things. Right. And, you know, Dahmer's father is not this saint that he, uh, you know, puts himself out to be. Uh, that's for the book. That's for money. That's for the attention. That's because they're paid opposition. So, and I'm not saying that again, Willis or, you know, the whole nothing thing against Willis. Yeah. 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 I'm saying the Clint, not saying he's paid opposition at all. Right. I don't, I don't know. We haven't gotten no. into that, but J Dahmer's father, you know, is what I'm talking about. Right. And he was the one, if you look into it, that was teaching Dahmer how to go out and like, you know, taxidermy small animals and do these things that seem innocent, maybe even good, but then can instill, you know, what we see, how it pan out. Also that Dahmer was actually state, he was in the military before this happened and he mm -hmm. was stationed in Germany. Um, and his roommate there has come out, um, He's he has scars on him and he is horrible, worse than PTSD and everything talking about what he endured with Dahmer as his roommate in the military. Then Dahmer's released from the military. He's given a very like project paper clip scenario or mm -hmm. like pick where you want to go. And he picks Milwaukee or wherever he's from and returns some of his stuff. And then he goes down to South Florida and he's down there working at a sub shop Um you know, in the vicinity of the mall, he was known to not go to work on Mondays because of his drinking problem. And this is what they say. And so, um, you know, that's how they, they bring him in. And then with Willis saying that, you know, I saw him there. And then of course, again, like, you know, what last year we've got the Dahmer movie come out. Then we've got the FBI guy saying stuff about Dahmer and killing Adam an FBI. And I do want to so. say, Megan, like Willis Morgan has done, he's made a great contribution to this. I mean, the, the, Whoa, the, yeah. this Whoa. right here, I mean, he, he's literally compiled <laughs> just an unfathomable amount of information over the years oh, and a, re yeah. a relentless pursuit of the truth. And, you know, yeah, we disagree with the Dahmer thing. Um, but who cares? We that's what this show's about. Anyway, we're trying to, we're just trying to get our oh, points of views out. 
yeah. and I, when we talk, that's what we talk about. I'm like, so sure. Willis, you know, like he wanted me to check out. He, and actually everyone can go find, he did do a new, either an updated uh, version, extended version, or he put out another volume, I can't remember, of Frustrated Witness, which you can find, uh, there you go, on his site. So he added things and uh, has re-released it. If you happen to buy it or read it, please um, also leave a review. That would really help him out a lot. A complete story of the Adam Walsh case and police misconduct. So that's another thing I want to go into in a show. And I want to take it from his work because he really did incredible work describing, especially the Miami Homicide Department, um, what the the atmosphere was. And and just going after the wreck, getting the records. I mean, like going after the records and trying to get these things released to the public. I mean, that's no easy task. Oh, I remember when that was going on as like a teen, I was in high school and we were like doing, you know, fundraisers at the Breakers Hotel. That's another thing we'll get. I mean, look up NCMEC galas and fundraisers. Holy. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, the silent auctions they used to do. But I remember, I mean, I was always like that. My parents were making a big thing about, oh my God, they want the records released and, you know, we can't have that happen. And all of this and of course me being my parents child you know i of course looked i guess i should have known back then dang it gino i looked up the judge's phone number oh my god from the breakers hotel at the fundraiser (laughs) from the pay phones at the breakers in the lobby check me they're there um oh my gosh those fundraisers that must have been something i can't even Oh, man, I need to hear about that at some point. Well, we're going on and on. It'll be like till the morning. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was another thing is why why the heck was I at all these like adult events as a child? uh, You know, if your child just got taken, especially if you're trying to cover your drug use and the reality of your lifestyle um, and the love triangle and all everything else, then, you know, having another baby and, you know, holding the baby up in front of everybody and. What are they, what's the public going to do? They're going to go, oh my gosh, there's like, God bless them. They had another child. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Tanya, I agree with you. If you guys are watching over there in Rumble and the numbers have been pretty steady. If you guys are over there and you're enjoying the content, please, if you could hit that thumbs up, that helps a lot with the algorithms. The views are important here on Rumble because that gets you in the algorithm. So if, if it's, I mean, it's the same on every platform, but especially on Rumble and YouTube. I'm not on YouTube. I did just start, Megan, I did put our first show on there. Just, I didn't promote it, nothing. Like it's just, I don't even, I haven't even looked at it. I have, there, there might be like five views. I have no idea, but I just wanted to like start kind of barely feeding the machine over there again and see what happens. Yeah. But well, send um, me the link. I'll, I'll yeah. post it too. Okay. And that leads me, I don't mean to cut you off on that, but I want to, before we get on something else, uh, you know, everyone that's watching, if you again, appreciate what we do, of course, prayers are invaluable um, mm. and donations, but please share the information, like take this link and share it on your page or send it to your friend in the community that you know, you know, is open to this, but maybe doesn't know everything, you know, or, you know, you know. same thing with rescue the fosters. Um, Actually, that's funny you bring that up because just at Thanksgiving, my aunt, who's, I mean, we have a great relationship, but politically we would probably differ quite a bit, but 
she was i don't know how it came up but she was asking about like i think it was high food prices or something and we just started talking and i was like red pilling around about 10 different things and she was like actually listening i'm like oh my gosh like there's no argument there's no i tried to avoid politics at all you know but it just i couldn't believe she was asking she's like well where can i get information i'm like oh i can help you with that so there is hope in our there is hope in our families folks and this is the crux of it again children are the crux the family like we need to stress this that it's it it, it's in everything they've infiltrated everything to destroy the american family and destroy the family in general but we talk mostly about here and and that's what we have to wake up to that if you're not awake i was oh my gosh i almost said if you're not woke to that <laughs> if you're not awake <laughs> oh my gosh if you're not awake to this like you need to be and because it's important and even if you're like megan said if you're just sharing just sharing the information yeah. that does a lot that might red pill one person you know that that could change someone's mind overnight and maybe they do something what, what we're imagine for. i never got red pilled imagine oh my gosh it can make yeah. a big difference so mm-hmm um imagine if gino didn't imagine if any of the people that you follow you know for i'm just you know, using myself but you know imagine if those people didn't come forward or didn't you know spread the word to at least one other um so please yeah share it out it really helps us thank you everyone for joining i'm going to bed Gino. yeah me too i'm, I'm burned out I'm you had a long day I had a very long day, but I want to say something before we go, because I want to give glory to that. If it wasn't for my team behind me and it wasn't for the Lord, first and foremost, I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I did today. And that was get my first car on my own. Isn't that crazy? We're all going to start learning a lot about how people like me are raised and how that affects us. Well, Megan, it's important that people know Okay, maybe someone's in the audience, wait, her first car, yeah. Well, if you know what they've done to her financially and torn her apart, literally everything she had, they took. And they. this is what they do. They put you under so much stress and duress and, and bankrupt you so that you can't move forward. But I'll tell you what, Megan is the strongest person I've ever met, man or woman. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I know a lot of people in my personal life that are strong people, courageous people. I've never met someone like her. And what she's had to endure as a mother, as a daughter of a very famous couple, uh, and all that goes with that, and all the things she had to endure as a child, it's an amazing story. And that's going to be a great movie and book one day, Megan, <laughs> because your story needs to be told because what you've I'm had so to endure is it. incredible. <laughs> And I know she hates hearing this. She does not like when I do this, but I'm telling you, I have to because people need to know she's not crazy. She's not on drugs. She's not an alcoholic. She doesn't beat her. She didn't beat her children. She's none of those things. I'm goofy. (laughs) She's a little goofy, but I love the goofy. The goofy's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, when you've been through a lot, I think a lot of people also maybe misread, and I'll say that out loud. I I don't think we meant to get on this, but, you know, when when we have to laugh about stuff or we have to say something sarcastic, I mean, this is really serious stuff for me. And, you know, I think that a lot of people negate and get in that, like, conspiracy or we're going to have our gossip, you know, whatever. And, you know, again, this is, these are real lives. And, um, you know, it, it, 
it might be funny to some people, but it really is real. And we're not being crazy about stuff. There are people more than myself going through this and literally being hunted every day. We cannot get work. We cannot get cars. We cannot get housing. We cannot, you are put, and that's because of registries also. So everyone that goes on CPS is put on the child abuse registry. Everyone, the sex offender registry, the this registry, that registry. My father was promoting a mental health registry for gun owners, okay? So he seems to be the, the registry king, and, you know, obviously other people are doing it too. But again, that goes back to Hank Asher, data, monetizing. I digress after that. Uh, join us on Tuesdays on X Spaces with Mike, and we talk a lot about that. It's getting late, so I don't want to go on another yep. tangent. But well, all right. Thank you guys so much for watching tonight over there in Rumble Foxhole. And if there's, I didn't even check Twitter tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. Hopefully, there were some people on Twitter too. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for dropping by. Reexamined with Megan Walsh every Saturday night, 11 p.m. You can also follow Megan at Megan Walsh underscore on x twitter whatever you want to call it uh what's your tiktok again megan it's i always forget i don't one. have a tiktok i'm banned wait i thought you hit you made the second account that one got banned too i didn't i made a second account i didn't one day i got informed like i went to go on on tiktok and it said my account is temporarily suspended <laughs> oh my god i didn't even post a video and it's been like three or four months really? so um, yeah, it was after we exposed those um, accounts that were selling kid babies yeah. online. Through, uh, that would do it. Adoption and the other platforms. So, uh, but I exposed the accounts on TikTok, um, and so they completely took me down uh, during a live while I was doing dishes. So <laughs> that's all that goes. <laughs> See, she's just a real person <laughs> doing dishes. <laughs> Giving the dish, doing dishes, man. Come on. They took me down. Yes. If you feel so inclined and you want to donate to Megan's cause, uh, Cash App, dollar sign M Walsh Consulting. Also, the PayPal, go ahead and give the, the other PayPal. The one on the screen is Megan Walsh Consulting, but uh, let's go to the uh, uh, Family, Faith, and Farm uh, on PayPal. Family. My, my my guys will get this right one day. No, did I screw it up? What is, a, yeah, you said it backwards. You what did I say? Uh, farm, I said family. family. Oh, right. Okay, let's not confuse everyone. And yeah, thank please. you. Honestly, everyone, every dollar like literally makes a difference. If you think, oh, I can't donate this big bunch of words, that's not what we're talking about here. Again, this is grassroots. It's about more about the camaraderie, about supporting and getting in the... Uh, you know, and like just getting in the vibe of, okay, we're all used to donating to big organizations. We're all used to doing these different things when, you know, we need to be looking at other ways to support and getting in that practice, I guess. So um, we appreciate every, 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 you know, donation that happens, every prayer, every sharing of the information. We are truly, truly blessed and honored and grateful uh, for all of you. I want that to be known. Uh, what was it? Oh, the um, handles or whatever. Okay. Yeah, for uh, PayPal. PayPal is family farm, family farm, and A N D spelled out faith, family farm and faith at gmail.com. If Cash App's easier, you prefer that. It's down at the bottom, a dollar sign M Walsh Consulting. 
And again, in the end of, in the new year, we will have, uh, most of that will just be protect American families. Excellent. That'll be much easier. And again, please on your way out, if you can click on that thumb, that would be great. The one going up, not the other one. (laughs) I should have made that more clear. We would definitely appreciate that. Not just Um, any thumb. Not just any thumb, just the one going up. We love you all. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a a wonderful weekend. If you want to join uh, me tomorrow, The Blender right here on Insight Channel, 9 o'clock. It's a fun show. It's mostly Christian-based, but we kind of expose fake Christians. It's fun. But tomorrow, a special guest host is coming on. Danielle will be hosting with me (laughs) because I could My my co-host, Mike, in Texas couldn't make it tomorrow because of the holiday weekend. But I asked, I said, you know what, Dan... Danielle loves the show. I said, Danielle, you want to just like host me? It'll be fun. So we're going to do our, I'm going to do dad jokes. She's going to do mom jokes. So that should be fun. Um, so we're going to do that so tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So, all right, guys. Love you so much. Have a great night. God bless. Megan, awesome, awesome show. Great information tonight. Thank love you, you, sis. Thank you for you as always. And, and God bless everyone. We, we thank you very, very much. And we'll see you next Saturday. And interact with us before then. So. Have a good one, y'all. God bless. Have a blessed night.